bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 33. And man, we're glad to be back for another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these episodes already and the great positive feedback from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal as always. And if you still need to check out any past episodes, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one, which is now available everywhere and anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora Notes, or Pandora Listen Notes, Google Podcasts, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests. It is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community support in this awesome sport of motocross. And like I said, we are a part of an awesome sport. And I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX Podcast for yet another episode. And we have a lot to talk about regarding local racing all the way to professional and everything in between. And with that, there are many talking points to chat about within this episode. First, we will talk about the local Southeast motocross races coming up and the Pit Bike Moto indoor race happening this weekend. Then we will have a call in from Muckoff FXR Club MX's Garrett Marchbanks to talk about these first three Supercross rounds, his back-to-back podiums, and much more. Later, we will have a call in from host Grindstone Kawasaki. 250 West racer and local Maryland native Max Sanford about his start to the Supercross season, off-season races, uh, joining this brand new uh, Grindstone team, his younger years of racing the Mama Series and up there in Maryland, and much more. Then we we will bring in our Trey Steyer to help us speak on the exciting Supercross Series with three rounds down and what happened this past weekend in San Diego. And of course, there is so much more that we will get into here on the podcast So, uh, and this episode. So strap in and get ready. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok channel if you have, already, if you have not already done so. Thank you all so much for, so, for supporting us on all of our social media platforms as we continue to grow. And before we talk any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here on the Imperative MX Podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, Silver Valley MX Park, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Hydropower, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies behind us here in just a bit. And don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com when you get a chance. Many new things are in the works right now, so be on the lookout for some exciting features and articles and stories coming to the website shortly. Support the ones that support the sport, like these companies helping us out each week to bring you these weekly podcasts. And of course, helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, knowledgeable And we can't forget about that District 29 2011 C-Class champion. It's co-host Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? 
It was happening, dog. What's happening? How was uh, how was the work week this week? Oh, dude, it was solid. You know, uh, oh, just uh, still going strong. You know, trying to get up towards your way here as soon as possible. So, uh, you know, we're at the parents' house chilling right now. So, you know, we're just trying to make moves slowly but surely. Hey, I hear you. You hit me up uh, today earlier. Actually, I hit you up and and gave you a call to give you a rundown on what we were talking about tonight. And uh, yeah, you said that uh, you were kind of up towards this way. So it's uh, going to be awesome to see you see you up here and have to get you in the uh, studio. It's not quite put together yet, but I think with me and you being in the same room and be able to bounce uh, different thoughts and different topics off each other, I think it will make the podcast even better. So you listeners. Uh, be on the lookout in the future for uh, for what we're gonna do here. And heavy, it's good to good to know that you're doing well. How's the family? Oh, dude, they're good. They're doing real good. Uh, you know, the little one's back at the house with uh with mom, and she's uh growing and raising cane as always. So, but uh, everybody's doing good. Mom and pop's doing good. Making sure I don't set air, air filters on fire. Hey, we're so, about to, uh, <laughs> we're we're about to get there before we because before we get into the local racing side, we have to thank West Virginia Motorsports. If you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, scooter, or anything motorized in that matter, stop by Princeton, West Virginia, or at their brand new location. Virginia Motorsports in Withville, Virginia. Don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or at the brand new location, Virginia Motorsports, alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. And don't forget to get those oil and air filters. And hey, Heavy D, don't catch them on fire. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, we ain't going to do that no more. Mom just looked over at me like you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're, we we learn from our mistakes, Heavy D. You know, we get older, we learn from our mistakes, and that was definitely one where you said, "Uh-uh, never doing that again." Nope, not happening. Not happening. So, first things first, Heavy D. Let's get into some local motocross racing here in the southeast. What I like to call the local six of uh, West Virginia, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee and um, races that are coming up and uh, races to attend for you guys. And, of course, the compiled schedule of races for the uh, top five major races around this area, including the Victory Sports Mega Series, the District 13 in Virginia, the Mama Series up there in Maryland, the North Carolina Motocross Association, or the NCMX Series, here in North Carolina, it was weird for me to say here in North Carolina because I'm here now, Heavy D. So that came that came out <laughs> that came out pretty good. That that's awesome. But uh, yeah, and then also the SEMA series is a youth series down there um, at the coast. So uh, plenty of racing that is happening this year. You guys can find the compiled schedule on the Imperative MX Facebook or at imperativemx.com scroll down a little bit on the latest and you will see the compiled series uh schedule uh for all of those and of course we talked about it last week heavy d it's good to have all of those races on one page and you don't have to keep going to website to website or for people that just don't want to take the time i went ahead and cut that uh pretty much down to nothing so all you have to do is just screenshot that and save it and uh know exactly where it is and you know which races you're going to which tracks are going to be running that weekend and what series are going to be running that weekend. So I think that's going to be good hey, for everybody. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, hundred percent. Like, dude, when you did that, I was like, he don't even know what he just did. He know what he did, but I don't think he know what he just did. He just saved everybody such a hassle and literally just gave everybody the cheat code. I was like, you, you can't beat this. Like that was solid. Huh? Like the fact that you thought about that and just like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm telling you, you was on your toes with that one. Yep, yep. And um, like I said last uh, last week, Heavy D, this is two weeks in a row for us. So got to give us a pat on the back and everything worked out. And we have awesome guests uh, coming up as well, and a lot of talks to get into. But races coming up this weekend, uh, Heavy D. Uh, this weekend is the Pit Bike Moto event it's the fourth year and it's going to be in williamston north carolina so bring your pit bikes or bring your big bikes because it's an indoor race and um they're going to have ama backing so there will be some uh some ama referees there and and there will be uh just a good time heavy d i'm going down to do some rider highlights and race highlights uh for them so i'm really excited to go down uh to williamston uh, North Carolina uh, to do this uh, pit bike moto. I've never been to one. I know that the mini moto was back in the day, like when I did arena cross and would go to Vegas, I think the week before or the week after, I can't remember, or it could have been at the same time. Who knows? This was, I don't know, 12 years ago. Um, they would have the mini moto uh, events. And so this is kind of like uh, the mini moto just here on the East Coast, and it's right in our backyard, uh, Williamson, North Carolina. So make sure you guys check it out. Heavy D, have you ever been to one or seen any of these before? No, I've never been to the mini moto. I've like seen highlights and stuff of it. It's pretty badass. They get like extra into it. Them, them dudes don't mess around. <laughs> no, they don't. And I'm sure there will be a bunch of heavy hitters up there. There's a lot of cash on the line, a lot of good prizes, a lot of racing. So if you guys are around that area or want to take a little trip, uh, it's been winter. Obviously, it's been kind of hard to ride, but it's indoors, so we don't have to worry about the uh, the slop or the or the coldness or anything like that. So make sure you guys check it out this weekend and also uh, races this weekend. The Moonlight Series uh, Lake Sugar Tree uh, event is going to happen there in Chatham, Virginia. So make sure if you guys are around that area and want to do some other indoor racing, there is uh, another opportunity for you to do that as well. Um, Upcoming races uh, to keep an eye out for in CMX. Uh, first race of the year, first one on the calendar, will be February 3rd at Windy Hill. So, uh, and I unfortunately just got the confirmation that uh, they have somebody else doing the announcing. So, unfortunately, I will not there be there announcing, but I may drive up on Sunday just to check out the action if I am around. Um, but yeah, in CMX, Heavy D. Racing's getting ready to happen. It's right around the corner. Oh, dude, it's, uh, it's about to happen quick. Real it, quick. Who are some riders that you're looking out for this year? Who are do you give me three, maybe two or three riders that that you're going to keep an eye on uh this year just through some of the series uh that we've talked about so far, the Victory Sports Mama, all of that. Who who's going to Maybe some of those riders that you're going to keep an eye on. See, here's what's funny. It's it's like I'm glad you actually brought this up because in not to like prolong this conversation about this, but in like recent past, kids that have gotten better, you probably have noticed that over time, the ones that run the series, 
and you like kind of look forward to them coming back the next year, some of them don't come back. They just go start doing qualifiers and stuff. Yep. And you don't really see them raise local. So for me, it's hard to say. It's like, are these kids going to come back and run some local stuff or are they just going to go run, you know, just do qualifiers and try to go to Loretta's? Right. Like, so it's <sighs> – it's one of those things. It's, it's are you so wrong looking. Are you waffling? What do you mean waffling? Like uh, don't don't really know uh, or kind of uh, beating around the bush. I guess that's the term for it, where you have an answer but you're going around it. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. All right. It's Tim- like it's like I, I have a I have like an idea. You know. You just want everybody to show up, don't you? Yeah, I do. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. He just wants everybody to show up. He's got a couple of riders that he he's keeping his eye out for. I'll ask him again here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, but I mean, there's plenty, like, there's plenty of riders, right, to 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 talk about, and some have had injuries uh, at the end of the season that are going to obviously be coming back. And there's some riders that have done plenty of work in the uh, in the off season, either training or getting coached or uh, you know, riding a lot, so it just depends. And you know what's crazy is we're gonna see it all at Windy Hill, um, in just in a couple of like weeks. Like I know, like I know, you know Christian McQueen, don't you? Yeah, yeah, him. Like he's one. Like he's gotten a lot better over time. He's gotten way faster, but like, I think he's a club training, so he wants to go to Loretta's, but I don't know if he'll go do like local stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like him, uh, Benji Harris did pretty darn good this past year. You know, he went to Minio's and he got his feet wet on the national scene. He didn't quite, you know, because he rides for Charlie. Yep. He didn't quite get the Loretta's, but, I, I mean, he probably could this year for sure. This is one of those things, like, you know, he, he'd probably still stick to it because, you know, they're in, in that area. Like, they're, they're super local to that. So, for him, that's like, probably for them, it's a no-brainer, you know. Yep. But, I actually race local stuff. So it's it's a lot of kids out there. I you know, I want to see race local stuff. Colt Lackey, he's one. Um, it's a bunch of them, man. It's just whether or not they'll do it. Yep, that's right. Uh, one rider that I'll be keeping an eye out on is um, Austin Webb. Uh, he'll be coming back. Oh with yeah, an injury from Silver Valley. So be interested to see if he comes back all healthy, all good to go. Which I'm sure he is. He's young enough, right? So, um, but we'll see. Hold on, didn't he blow his knee out? Yeah, he blew his knee out and got surgery, so I, he may be a little late. I'm I'm a little bit back end on what his uh, recovery time is, but I'm sure he'll he'll be back at some point. But that's one kid that kind of impressed me throughout uh, last year, uh, just with the quickness and and that sort of thing. There's also um, two loss. Uh, a lot of those eighty riders, right? There's a lot of sixty riders, Castleberry um porter there's a lot of there's a lot of 60 riders that you can look for 50 riders as well so there's plenty i know that we're only oh, porter on, ripping. oh yeah and you know we're only Dude, talking really about ripping. um you know the ncmx series but there's a lot of other series as well um to give love to and there's a lot of riders that are out there and sure with the combination of ncmx and d13 and victory sports and d13 and mama and d13 and all of this, there will be a lot of racing action and we'll get to see a lot of different riders as well. So I like the parody there and what they've done to be able to combine some of these series. 
Right, right. So I think that will be really good for the uh, competition, uh, fill up the gates a little bit, and have a have a good battles, have good battles throughout the throughout the year. Uh, I think that's what we all want. And of course, there's longer motos, right? Fifteen minutes, uh, fifteen minute motos for the for the youth. I do believe. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what it is. And uh, they just threw in. Uh, they took out one of the or combined the sixty five and eighty five D classes and put in a thirty plus. So there will be a thirty plus in NCMX. Um, and oh, I, dude, I I love how they cut down the classes for long. Dude, that's I love it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's been one of the good things is to combine some of these classes, right? Because if um, because there was so many classes and there still are, you know, there's still a lot of classes, but at least, you know, it's cut back uh, some, not drastically, but some to be able to um, either combine some races to let them have one or, uh, you know, everybody wants more track time, right? Like you go there for the entire day. If you race two races, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of time uh, instead of it just being four laps or three laps, whatever class you ride. Right. So, um, right. I think you're definitely going to get more of your dollar uh, going to these races to get 15 minute motos. Um, I think that's a lot more track time, a lot more time to really see who you know who's got the fitness and all of that. And I think that will actually help uh, some of these riders out quite a bit, right? They're going to be smoked after Moto One. Oh, dude, big time! They gonna learn. They gonna learn today, Heavy D. <laughs> you gonna learn today yeah you, you gonna, gonna learn today you gonna learn today um so no it's uh that's really good uh there is uh a lot of racing like we said this year we want to see a lot of you guys make it out onto the gate come and see one of us either heavy d down there or uh or myself at some of these uh races that i'll be announcing at or if i'm just there uh say what's up come by say what's up uh let us know that um what we can maybe uh, fix on the podcast. Give us some comments on the podcast. I haven't heard very much uh, comments on the pod, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure people have some comments about it. So we'd like to hear about it. So come up and uh, talk to us if you guys see us at any of the races. Of course, uh, Heavy D is very very friendly, aren't you, Heavy? Oh yeah, I try to be. I may be uh, a big dude, but I try to be friendly. I don't bite. He's a huge teddy bear, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Huge teddy bear. Big, big teddy bear. That's right. All right, Heavy D, let's go ahead and get our first rider call in of the night. It's Muckoff FXR Club MX's Garrett Marchbanks here on the line. All right, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. For over 10 years, they've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. Professionals and weekend warriors alike utilize the awesome graphics and decals. The highly acclaimed design team is well-equipped to help you customers get the look you guys want in a short amount of time. And of course, the design team provides itself or prides itself on creative collaboration. Make sure to use the code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, for 15% off code to save money on your next Dirt Industries custom graphics purchase, helmet wraps, banners, license plates, and much more. And we want to thank Dirt Industries for helping us bring our first guest of the night. It's Muckoff, FXR, Club MX, and a friend of the pod is Garrett Marchbanks. How you doing, Garrett? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Not a problem. It's been a while since uh, since we've talked, but we talked to you right as soon as uh, uh, the off season was kind of getting going, and you were in Utah. But man, we were talking about us, uh, you know, in the 450 class and uh, how well you were doing, and now you're going back to the 250 class. But man, it's it's been working out, huh? It's back to back podiums, and you're third in the uh, class to start off the season, three rounds down. That's a good way to start the year off, huh? Yeah, it's been pretty solid. I mean, obviously, one wasn't ideal, but um, these last two rounds have definitely been good and uh, super pumped to get back-to-back podiums for the first time in four years. Yeah, I was about to say, it's been it's been a long time uh, coming, especially in this 250 class, and you were on fire all day. You won the heat race, and in the main, you didn't get the best to start, but you started just to pick the guys off really early and quick. Talk about that and uh, and how you got up front so fast. Yeah, I just had, uh, I kind of started the same way in the heat race. Um, just talked the first turn pretty tight, uh, especially down that first rhythm lane. Uh, a lot of guys were just getting super hectic and staying super far left to get to the inside in turn two. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did the opposite. I just kept it tight, bonsaied the right side of the rhythm lane and made some, I had to pass about eight or 10 guys down that lane. Yeah. And then um, through the whoops as well, I just passed. Passed quite a bit of guys the first lap and a half, and uh, I think I was around fifth or sixth lap one. And yeah, no, it was good. I just made my way through the pack, and once I got behind RJ, I was just kind of looking the where I could make a good pass at. And with the track being so one lined, it was pretty hard. But yeah, once once he made the mistake before before the whoops, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, he went off the track. Did you see the replay of that? That was pretty crazy. I didn't. I actually I, I haven't even watched the race. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, right right, yeah. Be- right behind you. He went off the finish line straight to the left, like automatically to the left off the, off the ramp and had to get back on. It was uh, – it was pretty crazy, but um, man, you pulled a gap and you got to uh, obviously lead some laps. Uh, how did it feel leading leading some laps? Of course, uh, things didn't uh, go out in your favor in the end, but I'm sure it had to feel good to lead some laps. Yeah, it was definitely nice. I mean, it felt like I was leading laps again back at Daytona, you know, and um, once I got out there, I think the first half lap, I was kind of like, oh man, I haven't been up here in a long time, but it was really nice to see some open track and just kind of put some laps down, laps down for yep. the first bit until we started hitting lappers. And when you got a track that's that muddy, and I wouldn't even say that muddy, just the once you got out of the main line, it was pretty slick. Right. And so when you're getting the lap riders, they were trying to stay in the main line as well. So it was definitely hard to make some passes. And once around, I think we had three or four laps to go, I just got hung up behind a lapper. He actually about took me down and. Yeah, I lost the lead. Yeah, no, that's that's still good. I mean, you're back-to-back podiums, right? You're starting to gain some momentum. That's kind of what you needed, uh, at, at least starting off the season, right? Because you would normally in this uh, in the 250 class, you would gain momentum as the series would go on. But now you're starting it off good, um, and I'm sure you want to obviously keep it that way. But the tracks seemed to come around when the main event gate dropped. It started to get faster each lap, and you guys were starting to do a couple of triples. Um, but how really, you know, how really was it? Like, how was, was it really, really slick on the base or were you actually able to find some traction at some points? Um, I'd say for the first mm, eight, eight to 10 minutes, it was hit and miss, you know, one lap you come around the traction was good. Next lap, it was 
nothing was there much. Um, I'd say the last five minutes, it really came around. Um, like I was saying, though, once you got out of the main line, it was pretty slick, and you couldn't really jump anything. So if you were able to stay in the main line, it was pretty tacky, and it was just challenging because you only had, like, three feet of track that you're really riding on for the whole moto and just trying to hit your marks every lap. Right. And uh, the whoops were obviously very, very challenging. Uh, most of the time you guys were doubling through them where they just had a lot of, um, obviously I wasn't there, but uh, a lot of, it seemed like a lot of nicks on the, on the very top of them. Um, was that challenging to go through each time? Because it seemed like that was one of the hardest parts of the race course was getting through those whoops consistently and clean. Yeah, I mean, the whoops were pretty awkward just because from the heat races, um, how some of the guys were rolling them were just all over the place. So you'd go into them to go jump, and the first rut would be straight, and then the next rut would be angling left, and then the next one would be angling right. So it wasn't really much of a straight jump through line. It was Everything was angled pretty awkwardly. So, I mean, it, it definitely made it challenging. For me, I just tried to ride the edge of the rut just yeah. uh, on top of it so i didn't have to hit the grooves but i definitely know if you if your back end got stuck in there it was pretty it was pretty hairy of a ride yeah no kidding the imperative mx podcast episode number 33 speaking with muck off fxr club mx's garrett marchbanks brought to you by our friends over there at dirt industries custom graphics heavy d yeah <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like I jinxed you, dude. <laughs> when y'all were racing and you were out front, I was like, I kid you not. Literally, right after I said it, it wasn't even a tenth of a second. Like that lapper, like literally cut you off right there. I was like, oh yeah, like Jerry's got this one. This is it. And then it was like, bam. And right before it happened, like they took the the camera away and they showed. They came back and Thrasher was out front. And I was like, what in the hell just happened? <laughs> and they showed the replay. And I was like, I literally just jinxed him. But, like, honestly, watching you right, you couldn't really tell if it was slick or what. Because, like, I know, like, the YouTube channel, when y'all are riding at Club MX, like, Club gets gnarly running Supercross, Supercross track does. Like, I've never seen a Supercross track get as gnarly as Club does. And it honestly looked like you were like beyond comfortable in those conditions. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of conditions this year. I mean, I would say the past four years we've been here, we've had some pretty gnarly, you know, track warm ups. Like when we first head out there in the morning, our tracks are just extremely slick or you know, we it seems like we have all the conditions, you know, it just depends on the day. And when we went out there for the heat race, I mean, it felt pretty comfortable to me. It was like, okay, like don't, don't hammer the gas right at the bottom of the lifts, you know, cause you're just going to get wheel spin and endo. So I kind of knew the limit of the track and I felt like other guys never really rode that type of condition much. So I felt like I definitely had the upper hand in the heat and especially in the main, the only guy I was really, really worried about in the mud was Nate. I was like, man, if Nate starts up here with us, because he's, he's won almost all the mutters. And I was just like, all right, if I get out here for, out front first, I should be good. And sure enough, he doing certain rhythms I wasn't. He was able to stay with me. But, yeah, it definitely seemed like me and Nate kind of had the track dialed more than the other guys. I mean, the only one that was really close to us was RJ. But that was more once the track kind of broke down and got a little bit more traction. But, 
No, I'd say the, the Traxler Club, though, with the mud, it, luckily the past two weekends where it's rained, the uh, club's gotten rain as well, so it's definitely helped us out uh, preparing for it. And so, okay, like, during the races, I was, when that happened, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I know he's got to be pissed right now. When I seen, like, you get cut off, and then y'all go down the start stretch, and you, like, go to swing outside, he tripped it out and cut you off again. What was the thought process, like, right then? Um, I wanted to rip the kid's head off. I mean, (laughs) I I, I mean, in my head, it was like, Gosh damn it. Like I just did all that work, making all these passes, got out front, finally had a clean track and then I mean, I knew Nate was right there. Who knows what would have happened, you know, even if he didn't get in the way, but I mean at that moment it was just like, Man, you just you just screwed my race, like what the hell? But I mean it is what it is. I mean th- those guys are racing too, it's not just us and I mean for the moment, especially after the checkers flew, I wanted to, I remember I sat there on the rhythm after the finish. At that moment, I was like, all right, I'm going to have a talk with this kid. Like, I'm going to, like, chew him out. And I remember, luckily, luckily, he, he was pretty far back still, and I watched him, you know, finish his race, and I was like, I kind of calmed down a little bit, and I was like, all right, there's a lot of people here. Don't be an idiot and, like, grab his helmet and scream at him. So I was like, he just kind of, he, he, he could tell he already knew the drill. Like, he jumped the finish, looked over at me, and pulled right next to me. I was like, dude, you, you got to watch where you're going. And he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I was like, it's okay. Just, you kind of screwed me out in the wind, but it's okay. <laughs> like, I get it. And he's, he, he felt he felt bad, but it was just, at that moment, I, I was like, man, I'm going to beat this kid up. But, yeah. you know, I, I had to calm down a little bit. It is what it is. I mean, guys have dealt with it in the past. It, it, it happens. Oh, man, that's funny. I was <laughs> thinking, I was just like, you know, I know he's so pissed right now. The race ain't over, but I know he's pissed right now because yeah, like, was, he had a solid pace going. Yeah, it was, I just remember when I, because I about fell too when I hit the back of him. Yeah. And yeah. I just remember I looked over and I was like, man, should I hook a hard right and try to mess Nate up, but then I was like, I heard this bike coming, and I was like, man, that'd be a real dumb, dumb move if I did that, and we both go down. So I just kind of, I remember looking over the right and just seeing him pass me. I was like, it almost like lost your momentum, you know. You're just kind of like, you're like, oh damn it, like I just lost the lead. And <laughs> but at the same time, it was like I remember I looked at my watch and seeing there was still, I think, two minutes left of the race. So I was like, all right, we've got about three laps left, two laps, and. I'll just see. And yeah, I remember I, I got real close to in the last lap. I was, I was kind of hoping maybe a lapper would do the same thing to him as what it did to me, but yeah. they, they, were, they were being a little better with him. I was like, damn it. All right, whatever. He, he, he earned it. So yeah. Did you just take a pretty much a lap to regroup and then you kind of put on that a uh, little bit of a charge? Cause yeah, they're with about lap and a half to go or so. Um, you were inching up on him. Uh, good. So, uh, did you just need a lap to kind of regroup after that, you know, that mistake from the lapper and then you obviously seeing Nate go by. So was that just a lap to regroup? Yeah. I mean, it, I wouldn't say it took me too much time. It was more, he kind of gaps me immediately because I had to roll that rhythm right there right. from the lapper. So he already pulled a little bit 
And then by the time we went to the next couple sections, he already kind of got around the lappers and I didn't. Yeah. So it allowed him to even pull away more, but got an open track a little bit. I knew he was going to hit some lappers again. So I just kind of charged a little harder to see if I could creep up on him. And then sure enough, some lappers got him a little bit. And yeah, that's where I was trying real hard, but I knew in my head, I already knew by the time after the whoops happened, if you didn't make the pass after the whoops, the race was kind of over because once you hit the, that rhythm into the triple, it was one line. All you had to do was go inside, inside, and you secured the race, you right, know? Right. Uh, especially for how it was. And I remember I tried to come through the whoops as fast as I could and had a little scary moment. I was like, damn it, that was close, but <laughs> that saw it wrote pretty much. So Yeah, let's take it home. Let's take it home and... um. It seems like the bike is working really well this year, obviously with, you know, two uh, wet races, obviously you can't really tell, I'm sure. Um, But the team has you and Phil off to a great start of the season. So how's the bike? And obviously it's a new bike for you guys this year. Uh, Were you able to um, put in enough time over the off season to now that we're getting ready to go to A2, which is going to be a a dry race. Uh, You feel comfortable going in uh, with the bike and the team, obviously? Yeah, no, I, I feel pretty comfortable. I mean, we won the A1 pretty confident with the bike. Um, I definitely noticed when I when I went and had practice and my main, we were definitely a little off on suspension. I'd say the bike, besides suspension, is pretty solid, uh, good enough for us to be up there in the mix. Yep. Um, but for me, I mean, it's not so much motor at the moment. It's more just fine-tuning the suspension, so... When we're going to a race, I don't need to be a hundred percent, you know, comfortable at least eighty or ninety. Right. So I'm not, you know, death grip in the handlebars. <laughs> and a one, I just had a, I struggled. It was weird because the whoops were so small, but my bike wasn't handling properly to the second set of whoops there. And me, I'm not much of a jumper. I should have started jumping them, but I was still trying to bulldog it and skim the whoops. And the bike was just almost tossed me in the hay bells every other. Right, and I'd say around the ten minute mark at A one, I just couldn't ride the bike anymore. I was just so my upper body was so wore out from death gripping it, and yeah. so we made some changes um, on the brake. And luckily, or not luckily, but sadly, it it rained here, so we couldn't really get too many good days of testing. So we're kind of like, well, hopefully the bike's a little better. And then it rained both weekends. So that kind of saved us on the suspension side of things, but also it, it rained here whenever it rained back west. Right. So it was still like not many testing days. So yesterday, luckily this week, it's been super dry. Um, we got a lot of good testing in. Um, we definitely changed the bike quite a bit to what I normally run. So we run a super stiff setup and now we kind of went in the opposite direction and Seemed like we definitely found quite a bit of speed in my turns, and the rhythms are still pretty good. So hopefully this week it helps it out, especially with it did you, being pretty hard packed. Yeah, did you want that uh, the ass end of the motorcycle to sit down a little bit more uh, than it being you know so high up? Did you want it to sit down a little bit? Yeah, a lot of it was um, the back end was just too high. I mean, for how the club track is, how gnarly it was. We definitely wanted a pretty stiff bike. Right. And when we went back to A1, it was just a totally different track. And it's not like you could sit there and, you know, 
mess with the bike all day. You got to get some good times in and get a good gate pick. So I was just kind of riding what I was used to. And yeah, so we definitely changed the sag. We did some other things with it and it seems like it's handling a lot better and we'll see this weekend how much better it is. Yep. The Imperative MX podcast episode number 33 speaking with Muckoff FXR Club MX's Garrett Marchbanks brought to you by Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. Heavy D? Yeah. Uh, did you see him popping the triple in the mud? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The the commitment level unmatched. Like how on a level of one to ten, how sketchy was that? Um, honestly, when I when I did the heat race, I was kind of being an idiot. I was like, oh, I got this thing. And <laughs> I remember I left the face and got wheel spin. I was like, oh, shit, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> hopefully I get on top and. Yeah, that one kind of puckered up a little bit. And I was like, you know what? That was probably about nine, nine or ten. I was okay, but I was like, all right, you know, we're just going to double this thing. But um, the rest of the main, though, I mean, the first time I did it, there was no outside line really developed before the jump. And so I just kind of, I remember the front guys, you could tell they were trying to hit it, but they weren't. And we're just rushing the turn. And by lap three or four, I was like, man, if I could hit this triple before the other guys, I'm going to pull a good gap here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, the first time I did it, I, hit, I shifted in the second. I was like, all right, uh, I'm just going to pray real quick, and I hope I make this thing. <laughs> and sure enough, it like got will spin going up. And then I was like, oh, man, I'm going to blow the lead due to trying to triple this thing. And halfway up, I caught traction, and it, it made it. And I was like, all right, well, that works. And I definitely say the first half of the main, it was kind of about a six, seven, but by the end of it, it was like a two. It was like hitting it normal, but I mean, still some of those guys were double and I think they're just not used to, you know, riding that fine line of slickness and just how the track was. But for me, we've had definitely plenty of days like that club. So we're pretty used to it. Dude, so at the end, like when you pull back up on Nate, I thought, like, because you popped it last, like, he missed it, because I think uh, somebody didn't hit it, and it was just, a, like, a perfect amount of gap between y'all that last lap, and I seen you pop it. I'm pretty, yeah, you did pop it very last lap, did you, in the main? Yeah. Yeah, I seen you pop it, I was like, all right, this is where he's going to get him. But it didn't quite work out, because I think you got pretty close, but it was some jagged edge uh, stuff going into that rhythm afterwards, and you got close, but I was like, dude, if he, he pops his triple, he's going to get him. But I was like, yeah. The, the last lap, what happened was me being an idiot, I looked at the board <laughs> and I seen uh, one to go. And me, I, I hardly look at the finish line flaggers half the time. And right. I was so zoned in, I just seen on the board one to go. And or sorry, two to go. So I thought this one was like when I was coming by, I thought since the finish was one lap to go, if that makes sense. Right. And so I thought we got the white flag in that last lap, or sorry, second to last lap. Um, RJ tried to come in on me before the triple, and we kind of hit, so I couldn't hit the triple. So I had to roll it, and then I was riding all cautious because I was hugging inside. I was like, oh, I just got to last this last lap from RJ. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of like seat bouncing the wall jump before the finish. I look up, 
and it's white flag. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I lost all that time <laughs> thinking it was last lap, and it wasn't. I was like, oh, damn, I'm going to get past my RJ because I'm sitting here running like it's the last lap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, god damn it. Like, if I would have just done what I was doing the whole time and he didn't come in so hard on me off the triple, I would have. I think I definitely would have been even closer to Nate than I was. Yeah. So do you, do you, do you not do you not, do you never really check uh like the the flagger? I mean, I know you said you don't, but you really not check it really at all. You just go off, I guess, your watch and the board. Yeah, I mainly just go off the board and watch, but it was just how the track was. Um, the the pit area was the board area was right before the finish, so I wasn't really thinking about it. Yeah. And yeah, it was just I just farted or something, or I don't know if I thought I seen the white flag and I was just kind of cruising. I don't know what I was doing, but I remember I looked up and I was like, "Oh shit, there's one more lap to go. I gotta hurry and push it." Yeah, you gotta get going for sure. Uh, yeah, because I mean, even I remember uh, watching the race and watching the heat race, and um, remember that you got a bad start again, Garrett. Are we gonna fix these things? Are we gonna fix these starts? Hey, I mean, I, I don't know what was going on. I, I tried different things. I mean, A1, I had a good heat race start, and I was like, okay, well, well we're good. And then Oldenburg slammed the gate right next to me and bounced my gate or something. I couldn't even, like, get out of there properly. And then, yeah, I mean, the main in San Francisco, I started six, so that one wasn't bad, but I crashed lap one, went all the way back to 19th. And then this weekend, yeah, I just, I don't know what was going on. I tried a higher RPM in the heat race. I got wheel spin like I was on wet cement. And then I tried low RPM to see if that'd be better. And I got wheel spin again right off the grate. Nice. And it, it was definitely weird. I, I don't know why we were getting that much wheel spin. But, I mean, it wasn't just me. I mean, me and Nate and Shimoda all in the main had terrible starts due to wheel spin off the grate. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely, those first, uh, that first rhythm section, take a left, uh, going into the whoops. I mean, you passed, you know, pretty much the whole field. Because um, I think you came around when you hit the line. I think you were either 14th or 15th. And then by the time they went to the next segment, before you even got to the finish line, um, you were already back up to eighth. And then, you know, you were close to fourth and so on and so forth. But in that heat race, I mean, you look so good that I'm like, dude, he has he's going to win tonight. Like he looks the most comfortable. He's the rider that, that looks like he rides in these conditions often, which you guys do. And the bike worked really well. You look like, um, you were riding really good. So I think you just had a really good feeling all day because you guys know that you've been riding in these conditions. So I'm sure it definitely helps going to the gate, knowing in the back of your mind, like, Hey man, I've, I've ridden this shit before. Yeah, no, it definitely helped. I mean, especially with my, <laughs> practice crash i had on saturday i was trying to and i wouldn't mind a little bit of mud but uh, no it, it definitely i mean I, i've rode mud quite a bit just even back when i was a kid at my dad's place and in, in utah and no just things like that definitely helps so i mean mud mud or dry i i like it that's awesome and um is there was there last question i have uh for you and then i'll um get heavy d if he has a last one but is there anything different you did this off season coming in that uh you have done with yourself or even the motorcycle that you haven't done in the past or is everything pretty much the same for you um i mean 
everything was pretty similar. I mean, I did the same thing as I did last year, um, off the bike wise. Um, I was doing the same thing. I just never really got to show it, you know, right. um, just with the wrist injury, but on, on the bike, not a whole lot. I mean, our first two weeks, we actually went into it pretty, pretty mellow. Like we just took it easy. I think for us, a lot of us guys that were racing, we're still kind of like not burnt out, but just still regrouping from the season because it was so long. Right. So they just kind of took it easy on us the first two weeks. And we did a lot more technique, moto, slower pace stuff. And by week three, we definitely picked the pace up, but I definitely feel like this year was the best. Just, I wasn't trying to, I mean, some of my teammates can disagree, but I felt like I wasn't really trying that hard a lot of the days, like, like pushing myself over, over the edge to where I was on a crash because this off season was the least amount I ever fell. I think I into the whole time I fell three times. It was just little tip overs. Nice. And yeah, no, it was definitely a pretty solid off season and probably one of the better ones I've had. That's awesome. Uh, heavy D any final, um, questions for Garrett before we let him go? Yeah. Just the last one, actually speaking on that. Um, just out of curiosity, because I usually like to ask a bunch of guys this. I mean, because you're pretty, I mean, you're well known for like grinding it out, working pretty damn hard. Um, do you think when you were, you know, the wrist injury and you were off that whole time, do you actually, do you feel like maybe that time off and giving your body time to recover along with recovering from the wrist injury actually helped you in the long run to actually chill and actually let your body grow and kind of relax to get ready for this season actually yeah i i honestly think it did i mean i was so from the 22 season going into 23 at the time i mean i got four weeks off back home but it still didn't feel like it was enough i know a lot of guys are like well that's that's a long break but for me i i mean not to go down this whole long story i i was pretty damn burnt out in 22 um Right. I was at the point where I, I didn't want to race anymore. I was just kind of like super over it. and mm-hmm. um, I was just at a point in my life where I was like, I, I don't know what I want to do. I wasn't, I was still doing my job, but it wasn't fun to me. And it was just kind of like, I was in this real, like, I don't know what you'd say, the hole. I was just in a hole and I didn't know where to go, you know? And right. years prior when I'd be hurt, it pissed me off to watch racing and, you know, watch the guys practice. I was always itching to do it. And, you know, the first, I'd say three or four weeks being hurt, it was kind of like not nice. Obviously I was in a lot of pain, but I was kind of irritated because I did know how well I was riding, but at the same time it was like, man, like this will tell me whether I like dirt bikes or not. And yeah, the first month it was kind of just, you know, laying around the house back home, hanging out with friends, enjoying life that I really didn't get to do growing up. And, um, all of a sudden, like two weeks before a one, I was just like going back, watching film, what I was doing wrong. And my dad was like, Oh, like you missed it. I was like, yeah, this, I, I really need to get back on the bike. And yeah, even just watching the races last year was just like eating me alive. And it was like, man, I, I need to get better, but obviously you don't want to rush the injury. And, but no, that the five months I was off, I definitely, you know, took it all in, enjoyed the time off, but also knew like what I needed to do. And it was a lot of long days of working out and cycling. And I definitely felt like 
it recharged the batteries that needed to be charged a long time ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering that. You know, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if him actually been able to take that, that time off, not willingly, but uh, like injury. But it was probably good, you know. Sometimes you have those minor setbacks that are good for major comebacks. So that minor setback, you know, actually like refresh you. So I, I was just wondering, you know, I think that's good too. I mean, I think everybody needs some time off, especially with the rigor, rigorous schedule with uh, motocross, uh, supercross, and super motocross. So, yeah, I, w- I was just curious. That's all. Yeah, no, it, it definitely helped. That 21 and 22 did beat me up. I had a lot of, you know, had a lot of injury. Nothing really broken, just, you know, tearing a muscle here or a hard hit or a concussion. And, you know, especially the racing things, like, you know, not getting the fin- finishes you want. Um, it, it definitely gets hard on you, yeah, especially when you're doing all that work. And I think by then, I didn't know, or I would say the 22 season, I didn't know whether I was doing the right thing or not. I'm off the bike while I'm on the bike. I was like questioning the work on everything. And once you kind of do that is when you kind of, spiral out of control you know and um your riding definitely gets worse so luckily by 23 i found out what to do and it's ever since then it's been a lot better and been probably the happiest i've ever been since i was a kid on dirt bikes well it's definitely showing back-to-back podiums and third in the west class to start off the season with uh those three rounds down and uh garrett thanks a lot for your time and uh good luck this weekend at a2 i'm sure i'll talk to you soon no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, not a problem. You see you later. All right, see ya. Later. Bye. And that was Muckoff FXR Club MX's Garrett Marchbanks, brought to you by the great people over there at Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. He's always a good interview, Heavy D, and we learned uh, a lot about him. I had no idea that he was going to uh, quit or even thought about quitting uh, at the end of 22. I did not know that. See, this is what this is the information you find here on the Imperative MX podcast. Dude, it's it's crazy. Like, if you you hear it, but and they they won't like a lot of them won't openly say it, but they definitely like they 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 think about it. You know what I mean? Oh, of course they do. Of course. There's there's days where it gets hard grinding and uh, trying to put in the fastest lap on the you know the other guys at the track and you know you hit the ground hard but you got a race on Saturday and you still don't know if you're still fucked up from your crash that you had or uh you know um whatever right like it's it's crazy and I mean those guys definitely think about it. I mean think about Coop Coop had to take time off uh you know to get his uh, batteries recharged so a lot of these guys do it for sure. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. It's and it, it's a rigorous grind, man. It's just it's a lot on you, and uh, it's a lot. I think it's a lot mentally more than it is physically. Of like course. when you get just mentally flustered, you know. I don't really think it's so much as like it's. Of course, it's hard on their body, but I don't think it's to the point where it's like oh, like it's too much for my body. I just think it's so much for the mind and trying to keep up with expectations and having to go perform. And when you don't do good, it's like, well, what am I doing wrong? What do I got to work on? And you just grind harder, you know? And sometimes I think 
honestly, I think it's more than just sometimes. I think honestly, that break is just good. It's just a, it's like a factory reset. Yeah, you know, that, that that's just what it is, and a lot of guys need that, you know. So I mean, honestly, I don't like wish, you know, anybody to get hurt, but like, you know, that injury was probably one of the best things that could have happened to him at that time. You know, like him having those five months off to come back to Supercross and kind of be refreshed and, you know, actually want to ride and, you know, put some more work in. Absolutely. It's it's good, right, that, that he is willing uh, to say that at, out in the open, right, because he's in a good place now. He's happy. He said he's happy, and obviously it's showing, right? He's uh, doing really well with the bike and the team and uh, back-to-back podiums. Like he said, it's been four years since that's happened, so um, really good stuff by uh, Garrett and always a good conversation. Total Control Racing Suspension, Chad Newton, owned an arena cross team for 10-plus years. So you guys know that he knows his stuff. Throughout the years, Luke Neese, Mike McDade, Tyler Bright, Josh Thomas, Kyle Peters, Jacob Hayes, Jim Chester, and many, many other local legends have trusted Chad Newton and Total Control Racing Suspension in AMA Motocross, Supercross, Arena Cross, and of course, at the local races. Thanks to Chad and Total Control for coming on board here in 2024. And of course, he's keeping it really, really local over there at Total Control. Make sure to go and check out TotalControlSuspension.com from professional to amateur. Total Control Racing Suspension has you covered. Go and get your suspension tuned up. Get your oil changed. Get your oil seals replaced and be comfortable on the bike. Contact Chad Newton over there at Total Control to get the help uh, or to help you uh, get that comfort you are looking for. NPR Motorsports is your newest trackside support trailer at the local races. They ensure you riders get on the gate and continue racing each weekend. If you need anything, find their trailer at the races from tires to engine fixes. PR Motorsports is your track size support rig for the surrounding area and states. Find them on social media. And thanks to Charlie and Justin for all of their help with everyone at the local motocross races here at our uh, local races. And speaking of local Let's go ahead and get host Grindstone Kawasaki's newest rider and Maryland native, Max Sanford, here on the line. I do it. Hydropower is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself to help eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. Make sure to go and check out drinkhydropower.com. Get your blue Raz today. Go on the website. Check out the amazing reviews that they have. This stuff works heavy d has been there to witness this at silver valley mx park uh and uh obviously he added some himself uh there at devil's ridge or the ridge uh last year so this stuff absolutely works and the link is in the description of this podcast for 10 percent off your purchase of any of any hydropower products and right now on the line we have host grindstone kawasaki's newest rider and maryland native max sanford on the line max Appreciate you coming on to the podcast. How you doing? Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. Um, which do you for, uh, prefer? I know it's Maxwell Sanford or Max. Which one do you prefer? Or you just don't really care. Uh, definitely Max. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I've I've been I've been trying <laughs> to get that changed with the AMA and the broadcast team for uh, for a couple of years now and. It's uh, it's strange. Sometimes on the entry list, it comes up as Max, but uh, 
but yeah, it's just been like that. And uh, I just dealt with it, but all my friends know me as Max. Okay. Yeah. I know I've known you for uh, a long time, not personally, but uh, I've been watching you for a long time and heard your name when I, even when I was growing up too. So um, I've always known you as Max, but I saw it as Maxwell, I don't know, maybe two years ago or so. Um, and I was like, really? So, um, but no, it's, uh, it's cool. Great to have you on. Um, what an interesting start to the season for you. You start as a full privateer and now you're with this host grindstone team. Uh, I know that Dylan Walsh was out and, uh, this uh, grindstone Kawasaki team picked you up. Can you tell us, uh, how that all came, uh, together for you? Uh, yes. I mean, it's been a very busy start to the season, uh, very hectic. Um, and, and some, and some big changes over, uh, you know, a short period of time. But, uh, so I started training with Kerry Shear from Grindstone, uh, about a year ago, um, February of last year. Okay. And, uh, she's been my full-time coach and trainer and she does own her own team, uh, which is the host Grindstone Kawasaki team. And, uh, you know, I've trained with Dylan Walsh, uh, the last few months and they are a one rider team. Um. And, uh, it, you know, it was never really an option to, to ride for them. Um, and then, uh, all off season on my Honda 250 is full privateer Yep. and coming into the season felt pretty prepared. Uh, you know, had a great off season with her, a lot of training and round one, unfortunately, uh, Dylan Walsh gets hurt and it's a pretty bad injury and it's going to be off the bike for, uh, at least two months. So. Uh, I did have the opportunity um, to fill the spot and I jumped on it right away. And, and it was, it was really cool uh, being able to stick with the same training program and she's made the transition as smooth as possible. Um, So the Monday after San Francisco, getting on the Kawasaki and just adapting to everything, it's, it's been uh, a big change. And the, the last, you know, two or three weeks have been very busy, but um, yeah. you know, very thankful for it. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm sure that it is very, very difficult to uh, go from your uh, privateer setup, doing everything on your own, having everything kind of that you want, right, to uh, your preferences and then go to a, um, a, a team like Grindstone and go to a different manufacturer. Uh, can you speak on uh, how hard that is to actually transition to it, even though that you were able to get it into the main event uh, this weekend? But I'm sure it still was a very hard transition. Yeah, I mean, I'm still learning you know, right now I rode today. Um, but, uh, you know, even Saturday still learning the bike, I was able to get three days on it, uh, before the race. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a completely different feel. I wouldn't say, uh, handling wise, it's better or worse. It's just different, but, uh, the, the engine twisted development, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, the, the best equipment that I've been on in my career. Good. And, uh, I, I honestly, it's pretty confidence inspiring, um, to be on a program and bike like that. Yep. So if anything, almost my expectations, uh, were a little bit higher, even yep. though I wasn't quite as comfortable. I believed, you know, in, in the program and the bike, and, um, I'm just looking forward to, uh, building on that and I'm getting more comfortable each day I have on the bike. That's awesome. And talk about that qualifying at P2 and Sam Fran. I bet you that had to feel good going into the night show, huh? I mean, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I, <laughs> I really didn't know what to, what to even think. Um, you know, just uh, looking at the heat race lineup and seeing that I'm first gate pick and, yeah. and having guys like RJ Hampshire and March Banks behind me. 
um, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. I was I was pretty happy about that. That's awesome. And then you have your career best finish in the main event, twelfth. So that that day just had to be uh, you know, up in the air for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it it was really cool. It was uh, it was a lot of work. Um, you know, the the conditions were were so gnarly. Yeah, but uh, it was it was you know definitely worth it. And uh, to have my dad there was was really cool. Um, it's uh, it was it was definitely not easy. Um, unfortunately, I, I was was running eleventh until the very last lap. I ended up going down twice oh, um, and gave up a position. But uh, but still, it was a you know great weekend overall. I was about to say. I mean, you've probably had plenty of mudders going to Bud's Creek back in the day, right? So uh, it, this isn't a first mud race for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I still, I practice in the rain, uh, whenever I get the chance to, and yet growing up, you know, being on the East coast, we get a lot of that. Awesome. Uh, you went to Italy during the off season to race the, uh, help me pronounce this. Is this Stugart SX? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Stugart. So the, so the Stugart race, uh, is actually part of the German supercross series. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so, so yeah, I flew over Switzerland, get picked up and we base out of Germany. That's where the Honda team I race for, um, is out of. And we go to Italy to get in a you know handful of days of practice because it's a lot warmer, a little further South. Right. Um, just to, you know, dial in the bike. I brought my suspension bars, linkage. Um, and it, it went really well. I mean, it's, it was my second year going over there and it's just, it's such a cool experience. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, being able to travel the world and race like that. Um, and then also it's, it's a good little test for me, a preseason race to kind of get the jitters out of the way and, um, you know, get some intensity and, and maybe, uh, learn some things that I can take into Anaheim one. Um, so I, you know, that went really well, ended up with, uh, with a fourth, uh, overall on the weekend and a heat race win. Um, so I was, I was pretty happy with that entire trip. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Is that your first overseas race? Uh, so I actually did the, the same exact race the year before, oh, okay. um, okay. for the same, for, for the same team. But my first year I struggled, uh, the, I, I mean, I got a 10th, uh, the first night and the second night I didn't even make the main event. Oh, wow. Um, it was just a, it was a, it was a big, uh, it was a, it was a big eye opener to just oh, yeah. how much different it is. Yep. Um, so going back this year was just a completely different story. You know, I did way better and then I also kind of knew what, knew what to expect. That's awesome. The Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 33, speaking with host Grindstone Kawasaki's Max Sanford, brought to you by Hydropower. Heavy D? Yeah, like, just out of curiosity, how hard was it to go from riding a Honda, race, riding and racing a Honda one Saturday and then racing a Cowie the next Saturday and having to adjust that fast? Um, it's, it's extremely difficult and I would say it's even more difficult for me because I'm a bit more of a creature of habit. You know, I really get comfortable with what I'm on and I try to, you know, ride the, ride the same bike for a while. But, uh, but honestly, I think a lot of it is my mindset. I, you know, was uh, fully prepared, uh, to stick with the Kawasaki and gave myself no option. Um, so, you know, showing up Monday and then, just relying on um, my uh, my testing ability, being able to figure out what I need to change and what needs to be better, um, that did help a lot. So uh, a lot of it's mindset and just uh, you know you know the the point of no return, just uh, you know <clears throat> going in uh, with with one hundred percent and uh, you know regardless of uh, how comfortable you are, you still have to perform on the weekend. So. 
like speaking of that, like this past weekend, I know it's like you 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 can. I mean, you, you prepare the best you can, but of course, you go out there and mutter. You know, you you get a good start in the heat. Although I think you failed, and you had to go to the LCQ. But in that heat, you going out there and like you still trying to adjust and get comfortable. And I don't, I know you were like third or fourth at one time. I'm pretty sure. And then you come to the finish line and you see RJ sending off the side. <laughs> did, were you, did you see that? I, I did. It was it was so chaotic out there, you know, because the, <laughs> the oh, that was time, during, that was the during last, the heat race. Yeah, that was the heat. Oh, okay. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was behind when that happened. Okay, because yes. we just had March Banks on, and I was I, I was telling him that that happened behind him in the uh, in the main. So whoops, that's my fault. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember yeah. RJ going off. But uh, continue, Max. My fault. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy because we don't get a sight lap for the heat race or anything and the last time we had rode was in qualifying and we were still jumping everything it was only a little bit slick so uh you know going out there and i've also i've never ridden the kawasaki and in those type of yeah. conditions so i'm learning on the fly on like what the bike's doing and um that i mean honestly the entire main event i was uh still learning the bike. I mean, my fastest laps were towards the end just because I was getting more comfortable. So that, that was a huge challenge in itself. And, uh, I was, I was pretty happy. Uh, you know, the heat race, I got off to an okay start and I made uh, a lot of quick passes. And I think I got up to fifth or sixth and I just came into the whoops and just took a wrong line, uh, tried to jump through them. I probably should have been a little bit more patient and went down um, got ran over and then I go to pick up my bike and I guess, uh, someone's foot peg, uh, caught my throttle cable and ripped it. Oh no! So oh. I had to, so I had to push it off the track. Yeah. I had no, no throttle. So I was hoping maybe I could still continue. Um, but, but yeah, I had to, had to DNF that one. Um, and that, that made it a lot more difficult going into the LCQ. When I was sitting there and, um, I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, like it was, it was pretty sketchy out, and you were behind. And I'm thinking, all right, he's probably trying to get adjusted this butt, this Cali. And I see him like, okay, RJ. Like, of course, they're about to pop the finish line. And I was sitting there like, I'm going to be sitting there thinking, all right, I'm going for the finish line. I'm pretty comfortable. RJ pops it and flies off the side of the track, and you're like, nope, that one's off the table. So he's going to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those decisions that you just have to make and, and stick with your gut. Uh, we come over that wall right before the finish, and it was really slick right there. I could get, I was getting wheel spin, so I was pretty set on on rolling it in the heat race. Um, so I was I was surprised when when uh, a couple of those guys were going for it. Yeah, and uh, you're based out of Cali now, correct? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm living in Lake Elsinore, California, SoCal. Okay, nice. Um, do you go back to Maryland any? Uh, I do a little bit in the outdoor swing for High Point, Southwick, um, few of those races just because it's uh, it's easy. But um, honestly, it just depends on my program. If I can race for a team and stay out here and train full time and just fly the races, that would be ideal. But uh, it's just you know goes uh, off a month to month basis and you know make a decision uh, when it comes to summer. Yeah, and. Um, and I guess that's why you chose uh, West Coast because that's where you were doing your training at and riding at and that sort of thing and not East Coast because you've done one East Coast uh, season, correct? Yes. When I raced for Tyler Honda, I yep. did race East Coast. 
Um, but it's just so convenient being out here, yeah. uh, especially when you are a privateer. Uh, just all the races are so close and you can get a lot of riding in. And uh, I spent a couple of years in Florida um, at a couple of different training facilities. And I was looking for just a change of pace. And that's why I came out here and uh, I've made made a lot of progress. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. Yeah, that's awesome. And I uh, got to talk to you a little bit during the uh, during the outdoors and you were doing really well as well. So is that the full plan? Um, even if the uh, Walsh comes back, um, are you still going to do the full series, uh, motocross and super motocross all the way to the end? Is that your plan? Uh, absolutely. Regardless of, you know, what team I'm on, I, I still want to race. Um, I'd rather race than, uh, than sit on the couch and watch. Yeah. So uh, definitely plan to make uh, all the rounds, uh, maybe miss a couple here or there. But, uh, yeah, plan on you know, being healthy, being there for all of them. And then uh, goal is to you know, be in there for the, for the playoffs at the end of the year. No, that would be uh, awesome. And I'm sure the Maryland natives would be extremely, extremely excited. And, uh, yeah, man, it's cool. Two Maryland people, uh, you and Rod Bell both get into the main event. Do you know Rod Bell pretty well? I know him very well. You know, grew up uh, racing each other, and then uh, we actually lived together for a little bit. Nice. You know, we, we stay in contact, but uh, but it's really cool, you know, seeing both of us getting TV time and and some recognition. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the same thing I thought about when I said that uh, you know this isn't your first time riding mud. I mean, um, Rod Bell had been the king of this Silver Valley MX Challenge uh, or Pro Shootout down here in North Carolina. Uh, for a handful of years and that place gets uh, super rutted and uh, gets muddy uh, a handful of times. So uh, I knew that he, he was going to be really good in that stuff. And for him to make a main event that, that had to be uh, awesome for him. And of course, for, uh, for you as well. And um, what you used to race uh, the mama series races growing up. Can you speak on that? And uh, maybe some of your early uh, career racing that series. Yeah, so I mean, that pretty much made me the racer I am today. Uh, just, you know, growing up from, you know, age 10 till I was uh, 15, 16, um, you know, raced the Mama Series in the in the mid-Atlantic area. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, um, you know, good competition. It was, uh, had, a, had a lot of friends, a lot of families, um, and, and it was really cool. Um, you know, I've done a ton of gate drops. I didn't do a lot of practicing growing up. I just, you know, we went racing every weekend. Nice. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's helped me, uh, you know, at this point, this, uh, stage of my career. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, we're down here obviously in North Carolina and we try to help this, all of the series from victory sports to mama to NCMX to district 13. Um, we try to help those series and try to get the gates, uh, filled back up again. It seems like, you know, in the last couple of years, some of the numbers have gone down and the gates haven't been as full, but I mean, just, I, I was a racer of my own and heavy D was as well. And when we were growing up, right. I mean, it was every single weekend you would get 20 to 30 bikes yeah. on the gate. Um, and, uh, yeah. we, we try to help those, uh, series out. So I'm sure the Maryland, uh, people in the mama series will be extremely, uh, happy to hear that. Uh, you still think about uh, the Mama Series every now and again, and uh, I'm sure you missed it, man. Those local races are like none other. Oh, absolutely. And, and I grew up watching uh, guys like Tony Archer. Um, so that's who that's who I really looked up to, uh, you know, when I was younger racing those series. Um, and I hope I can do that for uh, for the kids, uh, you know, racing uh, racing now. 
Absolutely. And so what's your goal for the next couple of Supercross races? Uh, obviously, you're 19th uh, overall in points. I'm sure you want to scoot your way on up uh, past the 15th spot or whatever the case may be. But what's your goal? What's your goal for the next couple of Supercross races? I just want to improve week in, week out um, and just and just keep building, uh, stay healthy, obviously. But I really want to get a top 12, top 10 result. Um, I believe that's, uh, that's where I should be. That's where I can be. Um, so yeah, just, uh, you know, we're, we're working and just trying to progress every week. That's awesome. The Imperative MX podcast episode number 33, speaking with host Grindstone Kawasaki's Max Sanford brought to you by Hydropower Heavy D. Oh yeah. So like compared to Maryland, how, how do you like the California life? It, it's completely different. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard to even explain how, uh, how different the two are. Um, as far as motocross, it's just, uh, it's pretty unreal how convenient everything is. Uh, I mean, I've, you know, five tracks within 30 minutes of me where back in Maryland, my closest track, Bloods Creek is an hour and a half from me. Wow. Um, so there's, you know, you have to do way more driving. And also here, all the dealerships, the entire industry is out here. Yep. Um, you can get a part or a bike. Uh, you can get it the same day. Um, and it is really cool, you know, going to the practice tracks. Um, you know, the entire industry, all the teams are there. So if you're killing it, then people are going to note, going to notice where uh, back home in Maryland or even Florida, um, you're kind of stuck in a little bit of a bubble. Um, no one really uh, gets to see your talents or anything where out here uh, you get to, you know, compare to uh, to other you know professional guys. And, and I think it's good. Yeah, dude, the, the it, dude it's, it's so night and day. Like out in Cali, man, it's crazy. Like you wake up, like when you wake up, first thing you wake up, it's like you go grab breakfast on the way to the track. You ride. Like first thing in the morning till about uh, eleven, you know, pack everything up, go get lunch, you know, get back, chill for a second, hit the gym, and then like your day is over, then you grab dinner, and it's like it's so fast, it's unreal. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, you know, it's pretty cool. You can do so many, you can cram a lot of things in one day. Um, yeah. you, know, you don't have to, you don't have to drive far either. But uh, yeah, the, the lifestyle uh, away from motocross is also completely different. Um, I'm not not a big fan of the traffic and uh, the the amount of people. Absolutely not. But uh, but other than that, it's it's really cool. Man, that's awesome. And um, anything else, uh, Heavy D, before we let Max go? Oh no 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 no! You're good. Cool, Max. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I'm sure we'll get you back on at uh, some point. And uh, good job uh, on that brand new team and uh, able to get it into the main event. And I'm sure uh, some more big things were coming your way. But appreciate you coming on to the pod tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you. Later. And that was host Grindstone's Kawasaki, Max Sanford, here on the Imperative MX podcast. And, man, he was a good interview, Heavy D. First time on the pod. Oh, dude. Heck, yeah, man. He's laid-back guy. Loves it. And it's – dude, I'm pretty stoked he's made the – you know, last two mains is pretty more insane. He did it on two different bikes. Absolutely. I mean, you know how difficult that has to be and supercross suspension and just all of the, uh, you know, the tricks on the bikes and that sort of thing. I mean, it has to be completely different, right? So, um, that's still awesome that he was able to make, um, 
you know, those two main events, one, the mutter full privateer and put, you know, P2 on the board. That's awesome. And then for him to get picked up by the Kawasaki team and make it straight into the main event. Um, and he's 19th overall in points. I mean, he's on the rise, heavy D. If I, if I was back on my, on my bullshit with, uh, the on the rise series on the website, he'd be one of the guys I'd be talking about. <laughs> no doubt. Absolutely. And, um, Heavy D, tell us a little bit about Super Valley. You talking about the only local national, the, the greatest, the only local national, local national. That's right. The one, the only, the greatest, the gnarliest, the biggest, the best, the baddest. The one that if you're not at, you don't know what you're missing, and you should be there. That local national, Silver Valley. And that's the local national at the barbecue capital of the world in Lexington, North Carolina. Make sure you guys check it out. They will have their pro shootout, $20,000 shootout this year at the end in October. You guys already know the drill. Make sure you guys are there. A and B class all-star pro shootout. It's going to be another good time. Heavy D we've been there the past two years, been, uh, motoing down, watching all the motos was, uh, announcing you're on the sticks behind the dozer. And uh, it's always a good time out there at Silver Valley. Um, past, hold on, hold on, three years, three years. This Sorry, will be four. I've, I've been, I've been at the last two, so. Oh, oh no, you went. You've been all three. No, I haven't. I went. I went in twenty. I went last year, and then I, and then I went in twenty two. You sure you didn't go to the first one? No, I wasn't there. I wasn't there for the first one. I was not. Nah, nah, your boy wasn't there. I'm having such a brain fart. I could, dude. They've been so awesome. Uh, I swear, it's like (laughs) you've been to every one of them. (laughs) No, but I I heard what happened at that at at the first one. But uh, no, I missed I missed the first one, unfortunately. But I'm never gonna miss one again. So uh, definitely putting that on my calendar every single year, and uh, I'm sure you listeners are as well. And Heavy D, before we get into the professional talk, we're going to go ahead and get our Trey Steyer from ImperativeMX.com, our writer, talking about the professional side. Let's get him on the line and let's talk some Supercross and Arena Cross. Let's get Trey Fro on here. And we have our writer uh, over there on the website, ImperativeMX.com. Trey Steyer here on the line. How you doing, Trey? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Two weeks in a row now. Yeah, two weeks in a row. And I think we're going to, me and Heavy D, talk a little bit behind the scenes. We did some deal negotiating and uh, we come to a conclusion that we're going to keep you on uh, every single week uh, that we talk about the professional side because you always have some good um, topics and good discussions uh, coming out. So I feel like all three of us being here talking about uh, the race for a little bit um, from this past weekend will be. We'll be good. So I uh, appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, of course. So San Diego, uh, this past weekend, uh, what is the first thing that comes to your mind, Trey, uh, after the race? Ooh, um, first of all, congratulations there in Passenger. Um, a well-deserved first win that I think pretty much everybody was happy to see. You know, that's a guy who's been 250 champion before. It took him a little bit to get going in 450s, but of course, last year you had Detroit. He was so close, but 
such an infectious personality. He always seems to be in a great mood, and he's one of the fan favorites of the sport. And to see him finally get that first win was pretty cool. And I mean, I can't lie, seeing the number seven on the top step, top step of the podium was pretty cool once again. Yeah, but there, uh, man, is there, there was anybody that's in that that watches the races or that is a racer in their in their own right. Is there anybody heavy D that that does not like Aaron Plessinger? <laughs> no, like everybody loves that dude. He like I don't think what people people don't realize how he is. Oh, that's how he is in real life. Like I've known AP for a long time. I've hung out like we did a lot of stuff together. Like, dude, he's legit, just that nice of a dude. That's just how he is. Yep. No, that's awesome. And um, yeah, first first win. And uh, how many years Trey has he been in the class? Four, five, twenty nineteen. So this is year five, six. Oh, six. Year six. So took him six years to win. Uh, I think for probably what we would say probably the last three years, we've maybe uh, thought that a win was possible for him. So, um, and especially off of that loss from last year, uh, that's that was just really, really heartbreaking uh, what happened. And you know what's crazy is that he wore the either the same gear or the same jersey uh, at San Diego this past weekend uh, and won with it. So it's not a... Um, it's not a thing of, um, you know, looking back on that night and uh, and kind of regretting it, right? It's more of a positive note that, hey, he can overcome it and um, it doesn't matter about the gear or anything like that. It's just within his own mental state. But, man, he has the points lead. I mean, that's that's an unbelievable start to the series, huh, Trey? It's definitely been wild points-wise. Um, I don't know if I would have expected uh... – Six five one or whatever his finishes are to be the point seed as of now, but I mean that just shows the chaos and the craziness of the season so far. You know, Sexton's only one point off, Jets four behind. You have a three way tie for fourth, so it's still really close up front. But uh, cool for him to have the points lead. We've seen some interesting red plate holders before, and it's going to be cool to see AP with the red plate. Of course, this will be the first time since, you know, he won his 250 outdoor title 2018 that he's going to have the red on his bike. Uh, it's been a really chaotic start so far, and this week's the first triple crown. So I think it's going to continue, to be honest with you. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he keeps it after uh, Anaheim too. Um, obviously the last two rounds have been mutters, right? They go into his favor. Um, now we're going to get into a dry track and, uh, we're going to see really what the, uh, what that hair has and, uh, and, you know, see if he can grab a top step of the podium again or get on the podium, um, you know, for another time this season, of course, and Cooper Webb, uh, finished it out in that second place position and um ma'am trey what do you think about the sexton and uh cooper webb incident obviously sexton was down a lap and uh, was trying to come uh was trying to catch ap7 there um but cooper uh, but sexton was there mistake happened um what did you think about it i feel like that one's a little hard to call i mean both guys you know he did the moment thing chase was a lap down and it wasn't just, I don't think, uh, 
trying to get his lap back, but also, you know, it's his teammate out front. Chase maybe could have been thinking, you know, protect the lead for AP. I mean, I don't know the full-on racer mentality, but seeing Aaron out front, it could have been his first one. Maybe he was thinking that. And, you know, with Webb, he was – Webb was really fast the other night. He was catching AP at multiple different points, I think. He had – he was catching him a few minutes earlier, and then he had a bobble in one of the rhythm lanes because they were showing him on TV – and he made a mistake or something, cased something or went sideways. I don't remember what it was, but he had a bobble that slowed him down before that. And then I think it was just, it was a racing deal. I mean, I don't know if Chase fully meant it or not, but he definitely went in there a little bit too hard and got into Cooper. And obviously Webb would have been angry, and I, I would have been too if I was in Webb's position, to be quite honest with you. But I feel like that's something that, could lead to more in the future. Obviously, we haven't really had any big beefs in a long time, but between that and another incident that I'm sure we're going to be able to talk about, you know, it's starting to set up that we might get some rivalries brewing this year, and we really haven't had that in a while. Yeah, Heavy D, I mean, I, th- I think that we're uh, going to start going uh, the direction that Trey was just talking about. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, this. It's crazy how that happened, you know. I mean, what, what to me was funny is, I mean, I know sometimes Cooper gets hot headed, but did y'all like see the clip where they was riding down a straightaway and Cooper flicked them off? Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was funny. I guess it, it was a heat of the moment thing, but it seemed like by the time he got to the podium, he was fine. He was just like, ah, oh, whatever. It is what it is. AP one, so I can't be too mad. Well, that's just kind of like what we just talked to Garrett uh, Marchbanks. We just had him on the pod tray, and and uh, we talked about the lap incident with um, Jorgensen getting in his way, and he was talking about man, like when that was happening, I wanted to beat the shit out of him, and after the race, I even waited for him because I was gonna, you know, I was gonna say something to him and whatever, and he was like, you know what, there's too much going on. Uh, around here cameras and that sort of thing i'm gonna play it level-headed and cool and jorgensen came right over to him right at the end of the race and he you know and uh march banks was like bro you just gotta be you gotta watch and you gotta be uh mindful of us coming through to pack and that sort of thing but um yeah i mean what can you do in 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 that situation right webb was gonna take the inside uh sexton went to the outside it looked like sexton didn't know that he was gonna be there so fast and that he was going to kind of jump to the left to get out of that inside um, right-hander. He was going to get out of the way, but I think by the time that he went to go grab that little bit of throttle to try to jump uh, you know, uh, in front of him a little bit to get out of his way, it almost looked like he bobbled and he wasn't going to go through that, uh, that double. But at the same time, we don't really know. Um, but yeah, that could play a factor uh, in later rounds, of course. And then you know, rounding out the podium... The one guy, after all of the drama uh, that came out of this race, the one undrama rider is the number 51 of Barsha, able to get his first podium of the year and uh, put the 51 uh, back on the box. And Trey, he was riding good. Yeah, Barsha, kind of under the radar so far. Of course, he was sick in uh, San Francisco. I feel like he would have been really good at that round, but uh, he mentioned about being sick during the week. And, of course, he went to the LCQ that race as well, which hurt him in a very start-dependent race in the mud. But 
Barsha being the drama free guy is pretty interesting. Right. I mean, I feel that Barsha is pretty <laughs> easygoing guy, but you know, usually he's known for the aggressive passes. When I was talking about leading in toward the rivalries, you know, one of the things I thought of the last time was Tomac and Barsha, twenty twenty. Don't remember which round it was, but man, they were up in each other's face. I want to say maybe Atlanta. And they were up in each other's face after the race, and that's one of the things I thought of. But I feel like Barsha's another guy that could win. You have, of course, Roxon and Tomac who could win races, and nobody would be surprised. Barsha's the same way for me. You know, whether it's in the mud, whether it's in the dry, I feel like as the season went on last year, he got better and better, and you saw that at East Rutherford, and he was starting to run up front, and unfortunately, of course, he crashed in Nashville, which took him out for a little bit. But Marshall was kind of under the radar, but that was a good ride. He needed that after... I know he was top 10 at A1, but he was, you know, just kind of lost in the shuffle. And then the uh, sick race he had at San Francisco, it was great to see him back up front. And real quick, just to touch on the lapper thing again, you know, both Sexton and Jorgensen, they're not very experienced in the lappers. Right. Uh, Sexton, obviously a championship guy. He's not used to being lapped. And this was Jorgensen's second Supercross. He's still learning all this stuff. And his first main event, was a complete mud fest where you were just rolling around anyway. Yeah. So I think that was one of the reasons we also had those sort of controversies. But Marsha uh, back on the podium, good news, especially for you know KTM, Gas Gas, Husqvarna, that sort of brand. You have Chase and AP who are top two in points. Justin Barsha's gathering momentum. Maybe if they can get the Husky guys going, all three of their brands, you know, will be up front and be represented. Yeah, and I mean KTM hasn't had a um, it, they haven't had both riders be able to uh, be up there in the points chase. So I'm sure that uh, Roger and Ian and those guys are super excited with uh, Chase and Plessinger after these uh, first three rounds, of course. And uh, fourth on the night, we'll go ahead and talk about it. This has been the biggest controversy uh, topic of. Uh, the race coming out of San Diego is, of course, the number 18 and the number 21 um, of Jet Lawrence and Jason Anderson, of course. Uh, Anderson, in quote, uh, held up Jet, uh, which made him very angry. And, of course, we all saw uh, the video of what happened afterwards. Um, what's your initial take on it from, uh, from both of y'all? I'll let Heavy D uh, go first. I mean... <sighs> Me personally, how I look at it, and I don't think a lot of people realize it. Some people do, but some people don't. Guys that actually race like the Supercross and Intercross stuff versus outdoors probably understand it, but from Jet standpoint, well, yeah, Jet standpoint, I I knew it would be a harder for him in Supercross one because like outdoors, it's more open. You can you know, make a little bit more mistakes and recover from it because of the time and the size of the track. It ain't like that in Supercross. It's more of a dog fight, you know. You like you you like it's like A one. You gotta get out front to go win it. You know what I mean? And I think he's just getting frustrated because he's not dominating like he wants to. So for me, I mean to me it's just racing like nobody's gonna get out of the way for you, especially when you get up there with guys like Anderson, Tomac, uh, Anderson, Tomac, Barsha, Sexton, and et cetera. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's one of those deals like he's young, he'll learn, 
but I can assure you he had got the right one when he, when he tried to grab Anderson's helmet because I <laughs> if those cameras would have been around and it would have been outside that stadium, he'd have went to his ass quick. Yeah, there's two guys in Supercross that you do not mess with in the 450 class, and that is the number 51 and the number 21. And uh, <laughs> the number 18 got real up close and personal with the number 21. Uh, Trey, your thoughts? There's a lot of things I think you can take away from this. And, you know, based off of what Heavy D says, I agree with a lot of that. You know, Supercross, a lot of the tracks are 50-second lap times. You know, the time you don't have the extra 10 minutes like you do in motocross. And those tracks are a lot bigger. Two-minute lap times, you have more time and more space to make up for mistakes. And for Jet, I mean, other than his rookie year, he really hasn't faced any adversity. Right. He pretty much came out swinging his second year and started winning everything. He put it together really by the time the Nationals came around. And, of course, last year, you know, he goes 22-0. and He wins SMX. He hasn't faced that sort of adversity. And to be honest, when I was watching the race and seeing Anderson in the lines he was taking, you know, it kind of reminded me of Vince Freezy a little bit, not in like a dirty sort of way, but I felt like Anderson was kind of messing with the jet. He's like, all right, kid, you're not going to get past me. You know, I watched, I watched you beat me however many times outdoors in a super motocross, and I feel like Anderson at first, you know, was taking some defensive lines being like, you know what, I want to keep you back there and teach you a lesson. And then Jet, of course, ran in on him. I mean, nothing – Nothing egregious, but ran it in on him to get the position. And then after the race, I, I agree as well. You don't want to get in Anderson's face. He's a fiery guy. He's known, you know, whether there's been beef or not with other guys, he'll take you down. I mean, we saw that. I think it was accidental. Oakland 22, I want to say, when he got into rocks. And the, I mean, him and Malcolm Stewart traded shots that same year. You know, he <laughs> is a guy that will go back and forth with you and is not scared of contact. Seeley, Stewart, Roxon, all these other guys over the years, Anderson's not scared of anything. And I feel like that might have been a mistake by Jet to poke the bear. You know, he grabbed Jet's helmet and stuff. I don't I don't necessarily know if I see Anderson as a fighter, but I know both of those guys were hot. And I think the funniest part about all of this which I believe it is good to have rivalries, but I love the one shot where you just see Justin Rodbell ride in. He was just sitting there taking it all in, and then he ends up riding away, and the camera cuts over to AP, who's dancing and celebrating while all of this is going on. <laughs> yep, yep. I, th- I thought it was I, th- so I thought I was it was like, amazing camera work. I thought Rodbell oh. just coming in, and he was like, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm just going to watch this and see what happens. <laughs> Um, Best seat in the house. Yeah, he he definitely got to hear all of it and everything. I wonder if he turned the KTM off just to make sure he heard everything. Oh, dude, I can assure you, if if you if you got Rob Bell on the podcast, he can tell you bit by bit what happened. Like he he knows a thousand percent what was said. <laughs> he yeah. was he was the hidden mic sitting there. He was gonna get that. He 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 taking that with him. Well, I mean, and you gotta think too, like I don't think and I wouldn't hope that Jet would come in here and be like, Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do and you know, I can get through these guys and that sort of thing. These guys are not going to let him around them that easily. I mean, for no. for what he said, especially at the beginning of the year, I'm going after seventy two. Nobody, not even Stu, not even Carmichael, none of them came to Anaheim one saying that. So I think I think a lot of these guys are probably 
I think Jet's got a target on his back. Um, and I think the, these guys aren't going to let him slide with anything. Um, oh, and, and it's going to be dude. tough for him this year. It really, it really is. And I mean, right now, right, he went from uh, being the uh, points leader, and now he's sitting third, um, back. Um, you know, a handful of a handful of points. He's got to work his way um, back up now, which I'm sure you know, with a with a dry track, um, these guys are going to be going extra extra hard. Uh, to make sure that he doesn't catch those points uh, back up. Um, so that was fourth and fifth on the main event. Is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on uh, with those top five of AP, Webb, Barsha, Lawrence, Anderson? Are we good? I was I was just going to say, I can assure you, like, Anderson will go out his way to make sure he gets put off the track until he gets put on probation. <laughs> the 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 $1,000 fine don't hurt him. No, like literally, he will like make his life and race in a living hell until they put him on probation. I guarantee it. Like he, I, I like Jet. I have nothing against him, but the thing is, like these dudes have been around for a while now, and like I understand if you're frustrated, but don't. You, I mean, you just don't put your hand on somebody like that. You, Anderson almost broke his neck trying. He was so pissed. And I think probably one of the um, one of the best rides so far has been Dylan Ferrandis on that Phoenix Racing um, Honda Factory oh, yeah. Connection ride. Uh, finishes out in sixth, and he's sixth overall uh, in the points. Um, what a good ride uh, from Dylan Ferrandis to start off uh, this season, which last year, right, like he was right around that top five, but he wasn't happy. Uh, with that top five, he was trying to really uh, win and that sort of thing. But this year we have a different Ferrandis. We have a, a Ferrandis on a different team, and he's happy with these uh, fifth and sixth places. Of course, he wants to do better and get on the box. Uh, but it seems like Dylan Ferrandis is in a much better spot this year than previous, Huntre. Huh, I agree 100%. You know, from a guy who just won the outdoor title coming up on three years ago now. The new Yamaha that they introduced last year, he did not get along with it. And I think he made that very clear. And for whatever reason, even though he just won a championship and he had success even in the 250 days with Star, it, he just needed to change. You know, mentally, it seemed like he was not the same guy because it seemed like he was miserable last year, like you said. And then this year, um, everybody thought it was a gamble. You know, Phoenix is not known for their 450 program. This is the first time they've had a full-time guy. And it's not like they're a bad team. They had never had that guy that can take them to the next level. They've had solid guys through the years since they've had their 250 program, but they've never had a champion guy like Ferrandis. And the connection working so far, I think, is great because it legitimizes Phoenix as a team for being able to make Ferrandis happy and showcasing that their equipment is great stuff. And it also helps Ferrandis as well because you see him enjoying stuff. You know, there was rumors last year that he might retire. He might walk away from the sport two years after he wins a title. There was rumors of him, you know, hanging up the helmet for good. And here we are this year. He's only 11 points out of the lead. And the way things have gone so far, he's tied for fourth. He's tied with Webb and Anderson. 
I think things have went really well. I agree with you. You know, he's probably all right with fifth and sixth, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the podium if he keeps up. And the gamble so far has paid off. It's a little early to tell probably, but so far things are looking good for that combo. Yep. Ferrandis, uh, Heavy D, anything on Ferrandis? Yeah, dude, I'm actually – I think it's shocking people. You know, usually when guys got was at Ferrandis' spot, you know, he was a star, and um, he was doing good, you know. I thought he was still doing good. Usually when they kind of leave and go to a, a more satellite situation, they tend not to do as good, but I think he's actually doing a lot better than I think a lot of people ever anticipated. It's like I don't know if it's a breath of fresh air or it's more that the team he's with can focus more on him and what they can do to improve because he's not scared to go fast by any means, as we all can tell. Yes. Um it's just probably like, you know, they had, you know, two more guys to come out with the main guy, especially in the four fifty and they're already loaded on the two fifty side, so I kind of feel like probably he, he just wasn't getting the attention that was deserved toward his way because they had Joe Mack and then, of course, of course, Justin Cooper was going to go to the 450. So, I mean, I think it's good he's actually on something where he's getting the attention he needs because they can only go up from where they are, especially with Phoenix Honda. They have the resources and everything available to do what needs to be done to be out front. Yeah, he's really happy with that uh, with Ziggy and – uh, factory connection for sure um in that seventh place i'll run through the top 10 real quick and then uh we'll talk about a couple of other riders outside of the top 10 but hunter lawrence grabs his best finish uh of his 450 uh start um in that seventh place uh position a lot better than a1 and a lot better than san fran so he's starting to uh, work his way up and um, probably going to start getting comfortable if i would imagine because right he was battling with his brother and um Roxon at Paris uh, Supercross, so you expect him to be closer uh, to the box um, coming up on some uh, some dry tracks. I'm sure it's been very difficult uh, for him uh, with these races that he's had underneath his belt so far with Sam Fran and A1 just not going the way that he wanted it to. Uh, but he puts himself in that seventh place position. And then in that eighth place position, we had the number one of Chase Sexton. Uh, we talked about him a little bit uh, earlier, but Man, just him and uh, Malcolm Stewart getting together on that first rhythm section, and he was down for a while and all the way in the very back, and then obviously gets lapsed and uh, has the whole Cooper Webb deal. Um, is he okay, che, uh, Trey, coming into uh, Anaheim too? Is 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 he okay? Is his um, I mean, is is he okay with the position that he's in going into Anaheim too? Yeah, I think everything is good for him. Uh, I listened to his interview with the Total Max show the other night, and he seemed like he's he's growing in confidence. Uh, they said they found some sort of bike setting. I think Steve Mathis tweeted earlier, maybe it was the end of last week before the race, and said they found something at KTM. But um, for him to get an eighth place with the amount of talent in the field after being down on the first corner or basically right after it, you know, I think that's a solid night. Obviously he's probably frustrated about being a lap down, but coming back and salvaging an eighth and realistically, he's still only one point out of the lead. He didn't lose a ton of points. Yep. 
So that's great here early in the going. And as Ricky Carmichael says every year, and I know he brings it up a lot, and people are probably tired of hearing it, but sometimes you win your championships on your worst days. And if salvaging an eighth place is one of Chase Sexton's worst runs this year, we could look back on this and talk about him coming through the pack, helping out his championship run. I completely uh, completely agree with you. And right here, he started 21st uh, coming around that first turn. For, so he had to pass a lot of good dudes, um, including Eli Tomac, to, m- to make his way uh, on up to that eighth place. Um, Heavy D, Sexton? Yeah, that's crazy. I'm just sitting there thinking. He come from 21st to 8th, and he's still only one point out. Yep. That the point system is something else. Yeah, they went back to the to the 25, right? So, um, which I think is which I think is good. Uh, Trey, you agree with just going back to the standard 25 a win, and then 22 for second, 20 for uh, third, and so on and so forth. I don't mind it so much. The only part that I'm not a huge fan of is uh, 20 second getting zero points. I agree. In the main event. I agree. I think, you know, if those guys are able to qualify for a main event, they should be able to at least get a point. I agree. And I know that some things go wrong during the main events, but that's the one thing that I would change. I mean, the 25, 22, 20 thing, you know, that, that just goes back to the past. What I saw as the points format when I started watching. Right. But it doesn't really change much, honestly, because the positions were still spread out. It was still three points, you know, more than second place if you won, and then second place was two or three more than third place, and then so on and so forth. It really hasn't changed a lot. It's just kind of reverting back to an old format that with a slight tweak to it. And Eli Tomac grabs ninth uh, on the night, and in my opinion, he helped uh, AP7 out front. Uh, with him being behind AP and AP knowing that Tomac was a lap down and Tomac still right on his tail, I feel like that helped him stay focused um, and didn't have to worry about Webb. Um, am I the only one that thinks this way, or am I kind of on a boat on an island by myself or out here on an island by myself? I think you have a good point there, honestly, because, you know, Tomac was just kind of cruising behind AP. I mean, I don't think – could Eli probably have passed him and went around him if he tried hard enough? I would think so. But, you know, I feel like at that point after going down, Eli was trying to settle in and just trying to run a good pace. And, you know, AP out front, I've never been in that position before, so I wouldn't know what it's like to be able to win their first Supercross. but. I'm sure he had a lot of thoughts running through his head. You know, how can I pass these lappers? How close to second place? You know, just making sure he stayed upright. So there was probably a lot racing through his head. So that could have been a help to him. Heavy D? Yeah, no, I I agree. I think being in that position, especially after last time, I mean, you got to think. Last year when he was uh, out front leading, he had that minor mishap when he hit the rut and opposite side of his bike. I mean, of course, you, you carry that with you. So a lot of stuff had to be racing through his mind. But, I mean, honestly, for the most part, I felt like he had it, like, held down because you could tell he wanted that win. He he knew, like, he knew it was his time to get that win. So, I mean, he's a hell of a mud rider, too. Like, 
I honestly think I don't really think in either of the situations he was going to lose. He was going to get it regardless. That's just me personally. Yeah, and you're talking about AP, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Tomac in ninth, and rounding out your top ten was Dean Wilson. What a what a good night. His knees must be working just fine. What a good ride for Great Dean. to see Dino back in the top 10. Yep. I like the throwback design of it. It was more of a MotoGP style. I don't really follow MotoGP, but seeing the white and the blue and the gold Rossman style stuff reminded me of the old uh, Williams F1 cars in the mid-90s. But I think Dino had Dino won on his uh, pre-race outfit. I think he should have won and got a trophy or something for that with the, uh, the jorts and the cigarette. But... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he, he had a good a ride. Dart. He smoked a dart before yeah. the end of, before the before the day. I mean, my man definitely won. Um, for Dean, you know, it was a bit of a struggle at first. He had he was fourth in the LCQ, so you know, I mean, he had a gap to fifth place, which was out of the race. But yep. for him to go through the LCQ and then to rebound and get a mid pack start and then slowly work his way forward for a top ten, you know, I was writing most of the uh, 450 Unsung Heroes today, and I look back, you know, obviously some of the field got thinned out a little bit last year, but that's a guy who finished in the top 10 six straight times last year. And between, you know, Freezy at A1 and the mud and some of the stuff, he's had a little bit of setbacks, but that proves Dino is still a fast dude and has been for a bunch of years, and getting that top 10, getting the firepower team back where they probably belong is going to be a big step for him, I think. I agree. Uh, Heavy D, anything on Dino? I mean, uh, I'm not trying to talk bad about Dino because everybody loves him. He's just one of the, he's just, to me, he's like the moto personality. But I feel like Dino just goes out there and goes through the motions. Not going to lie to you. That's just my opinion on But I feel like he could do a lot better than what he does. But, that's just me not trying to talk negative on it, dude. I love the dude. think he's awesome, but he just honestly just goes out there and goes through the motions. I don't feel like he really, and I can't really speak for him because I'm not around him, but uh, you always hear him talk about his injuries and stuff like that, but it's like you, you hear him talk about it and then like say he did good this past weekend and he's stoked on it, which, yeah, I mean, that's awesome, but I feel like he could do that more often. That's just me. I mean, Oh no! I like I said. I feel like he just goes through the motions. I don't really feel like he like pushes pushes like the rest of the dudes. I think he's just like kind of riding it out until he calls it and he's fine with it. He's just riding it out and like building his channel and personality more until he calls it quits. That's just how I feel about him. Yeah, I feel like during the WSX races and those off season races that he did this year, I felt like he looked a lot better. And I feel like even coming into this year, he's looked a lot better than he has in previous years. Um, and you know, obviously the results will show here in the next couple of weeks. But um, good ride for Dino. Uh, outside the top ten notes, Ken Roxon uh finished in twelfth. Um, he started first. Uh, obviously had that uh mishap in front of AP, which gave AP the lead, uh, but he was able to come all the way back um, up to a 12th position, and Jorge Prado uh, finished 11th, but he will be back for Anaheim 2, so we will see Prado back on the gate, and um, the other one, obviously Malcolm Stewart, uh, didn't have a good night, Christian Craig didn't have a good night, 
Uh, Shane McArath went from a fourth last weekend to a 16th. Uh, this time I heard an interview that he said that he just wasn't uh, very comfortable uh, on the bike uh, all day. He was kind of going back and forth on settings. Uh, Justin Rodbell from uh, Prince Frederick, Maryland, uh, was able to uh, to get in. And, of course, we had Max Sanford on earlier, and uh, he's super stoked on his buddy uh, Rod Bell for getting in. Uh, anything else uh, as far as the 450 class goes, a AP, out front in the championship, Sexton, Ander or Lawrence, Anderson, Webb, uh, Ferrandis, Tomac, Roxton, Barsha, and Prado uh, riding, uh, rounding out your top 10 uh, in those points. Anything else on the 450 class there, fellers? Nope. No, not for me. All right, we're going to move Get your on. popcorn ready. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I mean, are you entertained yet? I mean, this this could be one of the best seasons we've seen in a really long time uh, if this momentum keeps uh, – or, you know, if this keeps going the way that we think it's going to go. Um, this could be oh, a very, yeah, very interesting season. It's all over the place right now, so, yeah. All right, moving on to the 250 class. Uh, Nate Thrasher, uh, after a disappointing two rounds, finally gets – a win. It's win number five for him, uh, and podium seven times um, in his career. So he's had five wins and seven uh, podiums in his four years uh, that he's been in the class. So uh, a lot of off time, obviously, but it's good for Thrasher uh, to get this comeback, able to grab the win. Um, What'd you think about his ride, Trey? Uh, felt like it was uh, it was good. Obviously, Garrett had that mix up with the uh, with the lapper, but Thrasher really needed this win. Definitely, Thrasher is one of those guys. You know, we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, RJ, Jordan, Levi, guys like that. You know, if they get out front, they can win. But if not, they're just kind of there. I feel like Thrasher has been even more extreme than those guys because when you got out front, I know twenty twenty one is rookie year. You won those two Atlanta races, and he looked really good. And there was other times where you'd barely notice him. Same thing in 22. He was kind of there most weeks, but at the end of the season, I think it was the Salt Lake round that he was up front. For him, I feel like consistency he needs to work on. Obviously, the first two rounds, you know, it was a little bit different. He had to crash at day one. He was shaking up a bit. And then I believe he didn't have to San Francisco. I don't know what happened for sure, but. For him, as big of a hole as he was in points, do I think he could win a championship? I don't know as far back as he was after the first two races. But to go from 21st and 19th to get back on the top step of the podium was huge for him. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he rolled off more wins this season. But definitely, I think he'll be a podium top five guy the rest of the year as long as nothing goes wrong, as long as he can stay upright. I agree. Heavy D. No, yeah, I agree, too. I think it's just one of those things, like, Nate's capable of winning. We've seen it in the past. It's just like, like Trey said, put it together those first two rounds to hope to see where he can, like, be to, you know, put himself in a position to be in the championship. So, Absolutely. no, I agree. Absolutely. And Garrett Marchbanks um, finishes out in that second-place position. We had him on earlier, of course. Um, but what a great ride from Garrett from the heat race win, uh, to a terrible start in the, in the main event, able to, 
uh, get right up to the front. I mean, I think he crossed the line in 15th off the start um, and was able to get into fifth by the time they, they crossed the finish line. Um, and, of course, picked his way through those guys up front, was taking good lines, uh, was able to get up front. Of course, he had that Jorgensen accident um, with the lapper um, that cost him the win. Um, but what a what a good run by Garrett here. Of course, a lot of a lot of us were saying, you know, stay on the 450. He wanted to stay on the 250 to make a statement. And these past two races, he's been making a statement back to back podiums. First time for uh, Club MX and the team, of course. And um, really good ride coming out of uh, Garrett Marchbanks. Trey? Yeah, there's a saying out there that the best rider or the best car doesn't always win the race. And I feel like that was true on Saturday night. I think Garrett was by far the best 250 guy all night. He got out front early in the heat race and he put 12 seconds on Gordon Smith, who's the points leader, which is pretty impressive in my opinion. Yep. And then, like you said, to come through the pack, to pick off the guys one by one, he was two seconds faster than RJ when he caught and passed him. And he was kind of cruising out front. Of course, you had the, the deal with the lapper, but I enjoyed seeing him out front. I was hoping to see, because I know the Club Max team, you know, their rise over the last few years from privateer team to getting guys at his level and guys like Jeremy Martin on that team and how much that operation has grown. Seeing them on the top step of the podium, I think would have been really great to see as much as Brandon and everybody down there has put into that group. And, you know, maybe he's going to make it a new thing to bring the uh, bike wash up on the podium every week. <laughs> he's obviously running really good right now. The confidence is there. Um, like I said, he, I think he was clearly the fastest guy on Saturday night. Triple crowns, I don't necessarily know if Garrett's known for triple crowns, but if he, if he can have some solid races, he's only 10 points out of the lead right now, which isn't a ton with how topsy-turvy the 250 class can be sometimes. Um, it sucks that he just missed out, but I think he can be proud of the fact that he rode so well all day. And this was probably the most complete ride he's ever had, honestly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think all day, like I think even in Daytona at the beginning of the day when he won in 2020, I don't think he, he really looked the best and even in the heat race, but he was able to come out and get it done. But today, or, you know, on Saturday night, Everything was going, you know, his way. He qualified second. Um, he won the heat race. Um, was able to get up to the front, pass those guys, and have the lead uh, for quite a while. So, yeah, Marchbanks, that was a really, really good ride by him. And, of course, we talked to him earlier, and we had our thoughts. Um, in the third-place position was Jordan Smith, uh, the points leader. Uh, was uh, qualified fourth. He started fourth and finished in third. Um, that was a good salvage. Uh, you know, that was a good ride to salvage uh, some points on a on a on a track and on a night uh, like that in San Diego. Heavy D. Oh, absolutely. You know, we spoke to Jordan last year. What I forgot what episode it was, but man, it's crazy. Like. You know, he started off with Geico, then he went to Mitch, then he went to TLD, and then uh, he went to Firepower for a year. And then uh, he did pretty decent on the privateer, and then it wasn't as good as recent years, you know, but he, he did pretty good, showed he could still 
run a pace on a, you know, satellite property team and dude, ever since he went to star, it's crazy. Like, man, anytime a guy goes to star, it's like it's night and day. I don't know what it is about that, but like whatever they have going on is definitely working. So honestly, I feel like it's this is like his time. You you know what I mean? Like I know he's got RJ there, but it's like his time to go and get that championship. And he can do it. Like it's just like the fact of, you know, staying with it and staying consistent, more consistent than in years past. Yeah. Trey. For him, you know, the consistency is key and so far he's delivered. I think the the most impressive thing about it so far is everybody was saying Shimoda's gonna win the title or Hampshire Kitchen. I feel like all three of those guys were the favorites. And Smith flew under the radar a little bit, but he started heating up during the SMX season and to see him take that consistent ride, you know, he was solid. Nothing spectacular the other night, but he I mean, he did gain a position with RJ going down there in the end, but sometimes that's what you have to do to win championships. Like we mentioned with Sexton earlier, you know, about winning championships on one of the worst days. But he's gone second, first, and third so far. He's been on the box every round. And in this class, that might be what it takes. You might not have to win every race, but if you can get on the box or even just be a top five guy, you could probably come home with the number one plate at the end of the year. And I think he's proven that. And maturity-wise, of course, you know, he had the near-miss at TLD, but he had the injuries and the struggles at PC and to work his way back through firepower to get to star and to be able to get on the verge of a championship if he keeps this up is going to be one of the best stories in a while, in my opinion. Yep. And I hope to see I hope to see him up front still because, I mean, I've never met Jordan, never got to interact with him, but somebody that has been good for a long time and has almost put it together, but not quite. And then you see them continue to work toward that point. And if he stays consistent, we know he has the speed. It'll be a great story if he stays up front and keeps doing well throughout the year. I agree. And uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with what you said, Trey. Uh, in that fourth place uh, position on the night. Hello? you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you now. Okay. Um, Fourth place, uh, Joe Shimoda, kind of a, a sleeper ride, um, I would say. Started in 10th and worked his way on up to 4th. And um, the last two rounds have not been good uh, to Joe, but for him to uh, come through that adversity and get a 4th, I think this is a step in the right direction, Heavy D. Yeah, it is, man. Like, like I say, it's crazy. When the pressure's off of Joe, that's when he like becomes the life. He to me, I feel like that's when he performed best. Like he wasn't out front, you know, down from jump, and then it, it's like he he puts on those those rides. It's like all right, like I ain't I ain't got to worry about anything. I could just go ride and make things happen. It ain't no pressure on me. So whatever happens happens, and he ends up what a fourth. Yeah, like it's crazy. Yep. Uh, or uh, Trey, sorry. I don't know. Um, I'm still not super sold on his performances so far. The heat race, him and Thrasher were battling, but he went down a couple times. And if Kitchen, I think that's who it won that heat race, hadn't lapped so many people, you know, things could have been a lot worse. But compared to some of the other rounds, salvaging fourth might have been a good night for Joe. I think this weekend, 
with a triple crown with a different format if it stays dry. I feel like this could really be the reset point for him. I think he's a little too far out of the championship. He's still 20, 30 points back. But, you know, he can start building momentum with a clean slate this week. Obviously, first triple crown of the season. Um, I don't think we've seen his best. I think that's pretty easy to say. He's been there, and we all expected him to be the title favorite or at least close to that. And maybe Saturday night could be the chance for him to get back where we think and where we know he belongs. Absolutely. Um, and the second place uh, rider on the points, uh, Levi Kitchen, finishes out in fifth after uh, obviously taking that heat race win. Um, I believe that he will uh, get a win uh, before the season is done, but it seems like uh, Kitchen is not having his um, inconsistency round so far with three rounds. Um, he's been very consistent, a lot more consistent than years previous. Um, but can he, um, you know, get up to Jordan Smith and be able to battle for this title? He's eight points down, nine points down. Um, and, um, or actually a little bit less, uh, my apologies. I can't do math. Um, and, so it'll be really interesting to see if Kitchen uh, can bring this uh, back to life and uh, maybe try and compete for this title. You know, he's only a handful of points down. And of course, you know, with the record of uh, Smith, um, anything can happen. Um, but on the night, uh, what'd you think about it, Trey? In my opinion, I think this weekend is going to be his biggest test, like you said, with the consistency part. You know, he was almost in the lead, he was putting pressure on our day. And he was there, but he went down in the one corner, the same corner of rocks, and went down in the fourth of the race. Yep. And for him to come back to fifth, I think, was a great, shine, a great sign of maturity. Excuse me. And this is going to be a big test for him because, as we mentioned last week, you know, his starts have really been the question for the last couple of years. When he started out front, he's ran out front. And, of course, you're going to have three gate drops Saturday night you're going to have three chances to be up front, but you're also going to have three chances that you could start 15th. And I think if he wants to make up ground to Jordan Smith, or at least stay in that range, he needs to get good starts and not to ride over his head. You know, I'm not surprised that he's a championship contender, but this week is really going to be a test to see if he belongs right up there up front and to really challenge him this week. Yeah, Heavy D, anything on Kitchen? Yeah, like, he he can, you know. I just feel like, I think for him, because it was a lot of skepticism, like, all right, like, you know, Star definitely wants to keep you. Why would you leave Star and go to, you know, go to Pro Circuit? Which, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that. Pro Circuit solves, you know, it's just it, it was the go-to team back in the day and it slowly transitioned to star, you know what I mean? And uh, but it's like, you know, why would you leave that starlight and go to Pro Circuit? And it's it, for him, it was one of those things where he said, oh, I need like a change of pace, you know, fresh air, something different. So it's one of those things it's like, alright, he's on the Kawasaki, he says he likes, he's feeling good, you know, he's on his own program. And 
he said all that. It's like, all right, now you got to go perform and try and be that championship contender that you're supposed to be for uh, Mitch Payton's team. Because that's all, you know, Mitch Payton wants to win just like Bobby Reagan does. That's what, I mean, that's why they go and get these guys. So it's one of those things like, all right, it's almost like a make or break. Like he has to go and do good because it's what he changed. It's, I mean, that's why he switched up because he wanted to change. And, you know, he said it was going to be good. And it, it'd be different and helpful. So it's one of those things we got to see, I guess. Yeah. Two weekends back to back in that sixth place uh, position on Saturday night was RJ Hampshire. And since Anaheim won, it has not been going well. Um, obviously with the two mutters and, uh, just a handful of mistakes. Uh, this title uh, chance is not completely out of uh, out of hand, but he is in fourth, and um, he definitely has some points to uh, to make up. And of course, with the triple crown this weekend, the inconsistencies with Hampshire, you know what what's going to happen? What can we expect? Um, anything on Hampshire, Trey? I feel like, you know, this could be something we would talk about at the end of the season. He was in third place right there on the final lap, cruising, and then he just goes down. I don't have too much to say other than I feel like that could have been a turning point in the season early on because there's always going to be those moments. And Jordan staying consistent and staying up and finishing third while RJ threw away, you know, three, four, five points, however many it was, and going down, that could factor in a lot because this championship might go right down to the wire. Yep. Some championships go down to the wire. Some championships get put away easily. I don't think this is one that's you're going to have a clear dominant guy. It's going to have some moving and shaking, and I think this is going to be a big missed opportunity for RJ, but – he can come out swinging this week and answer some of the questions again. I don't think it's panic button time at all. But, you know, this week was a miss because he had those four or five points extra. And he went down. And then, of course, Jordan ended up gaining on him when it would have been the other way around. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think Hampshire needs – I think this is a really big weekend for Hampshire Kitchen and Thrasher. Um, I think all three of those, I mean, you can even put March Banks and Smith in there. Um, I think there's a lot of things that need to go their way um, to try and get themselves uh, back up into this championship or hold the championship plate uh, for right now, the red plate uh, with Jordan, of course. Um, seven, eight, nine, and 10, Oldenburg, DeFrancesco, Yoder, and Bourdon. Um, is there anything that you guys had on uh, any of those four riders of Oldenburg, DeFrancesco, Yoder, or Burdon? Nah, nah, I don't. I'm good. Okay. Uh, you good? Um, real quick, real quick, I'll say um, Freckle, another top 10. He's a top 10 machine. Yep. Rider D, I expected a little bit more out of him, but he's also a rookie. He's still learning. So, eighth place, not too bad. Uh, I got the chance to talk to you this week. Go check out the Unsung Heroes 250 article if you haven't already. Yep. And, you know, he's had a great season so far. Two top 10 finishes, the first two of his career back-to-back. It's great to see him building momentum. And Bourdon's another guy who's been uh, twice in the top 10 and then 11th the other round. Yep. And he's like sixth in points or something. Seeing those guys 
run so well, I think is great to see, you know, for Bourdon, he's a veteran guy. He's raced for a long time, but this is his first time really in the U.S. racing in the AMA series. And RX did a great job of bringing him over here. Yep, I agree. Making the the Kickstarters look good, man. Those uh, those Suzuki's looked really, really good uh, for the San Diego round. And of course, it was the retro uh, themed uh, race uh, and a lot of good looking uh, bikes that were out there. Um, is there anything else uh, from San Diego that you guys want to talk about before we get into a little bit of arena cross? No? Okay, good. Real quick, I, Go ahead. I just want to say um, Freddie Norin running the 22 with a stew throwback. That was pretty entertaining to see. That was crazy. Oh, yeah. Freddy, though. That was crazy. Um, I'm a big Stu fan, of course, so I love seeing the old Chevy trucks throwbacks. I think a lot of the teams killed it with the throwback thing. You know, some of them didn't participate, but I feel like that's when it was cooler to be a privateer team. You know, they have a little more freedom. They don't have the factory guys seeing the, uh, the McGrath 1-800-Collect-style stuff with right. MCR. AEO had some sweet-looking white and purple KTM stuff. You had a 96 Yamaha look with Team Solitaire. Um, the Chevy trucks look for the Med Parts team, like I just mentioned. I think that throwback weekend, there was a lot of good looks. Um, Jerry Robin had a white and red Yamaha that looked really good as well. I feel like this is something, you know, I don't know if they should do it every year. Uh, NASCAR does it every year. They'll have a throwback weekend. But Supercross, I think every once in a while, and we've had these rounds before, you know, it's cool to see what the teams come up with gear-wise, bike-wise, you know, how they pay tribute to the legends of this sport. And it was great to see because we haven't had one in a while, I don't think. I mean, obviously, Yamaha did the uh, white and purple at Washougal last year, but that wasn't an actual, you know, throwback round race. So to see everybody, well, for the most part, participate and do that i think that was cool to see and that's something that i think they should continue you know every two to three years i agree I, I, all of the kids look really good even though we really couldn't see them that well through the tv because the guys were uh, a little muddy but um a lot of the pictures and the content that was made uh for those bikes and of course them supporting all of the old um bike looks and uh that sort of era uh, I think it looked really, really good. Um, and that's a that's a wrap on San Diego. And now moving to uh, the AMA Arena Cross Series. They were in Guthrie, Oklahoma uh, last weekend, and they will be there again this coming weekend. Um, combined main events results. Of course, uh, KP, Kyle Peters, uh, took the overall Ryan Brees grabs a second and third Isaiah Clark. Uh, Trey, what's uh, one of the things that you could take away from Guthrie uh, last weekend? Brees and KP still trading wins back and forth. Uh, Jared Lusher was back. He went third in the first minute, fourth in the second. Yep. Great to see him back. And I believe, you know, I thought the super cross track would be very beneficial to him. He wasn't quite on KP and Brees' level, which, I mean, nobody has throughout the season, but it's been great to see him back um, to be up front there with the two-stroke, I think, was really good. And as we said before, you know, Guthrie, it's a lot bigger arena. You have 20, 25-second lap time tracks pretty much the entire season before this, and now you have a 40 to 
almost basically a supercross track. Right. And this Breeze KP battle, I want it to get more interesting, but at the same time, KP is not the type of guy to have bad races, really. Yep. And he's sort of up front. He's inevitable every round. And I think the racing was entertaining the other night. Obviously, it ended up getting a little bit spread out. Um, another one of the fan favorites, men, Cody Groves, once again. <laughs> he had a fifth place in the second moto. He was flying through the whoops. Uh, as Haley Deegan says in NASCAR, drop a year and disappear. I think he was clicking up and just flying away through the whoops. And he had another fantastic interview where he was talking about, my name's Cody Rose, I ride a Suzuki, I'm single, ready to mingle, and dropped his Instagram and all that stuff. Um, I'm excited for this weekend, and I will say, uh, I'm thinking about possibly doing an Unsung Heroes articles on the Arena Cross series, so nice. if any Arena Cross guys are listening and want to be on it, I kind of want to do one since we had a Guthrie doubleheader and you know check on guys' season so far because we've been keeping up with it we've been writing the recaps and following the series and stuff so i think that would be something cool and also to get more of the arena cross guys out there to give them a little bit more coverage more than just the race recap and i'm excited for friday night to see what's going to happen absolutely and uh you know bitterman he went five nine on the night did not have a very good night you know that bitterman will be back uh, up there closer to the front, of course, and um, Lesher, uh, I expect, obviously coming off of his injury that he had, I'm sure that it will take him a couple of rounds to uh, get back up to par like he was last year. He won uh, actually in my hometown uh, in Salem uh, last year, so I expect him to uh, put it down to the guys as well. But yeah, I do want this Peters and Brees uh, battle to, uh, to ensue uh, and to uh, get a lot more uh, intense and all of that. But yeah, you're right. KP is just so good. And um, those second, those second, when the inverted gate happens, uh, Brees just can't get through those guys as fast as KP can. Um, it's like this guy has a cheat code on how to get through all of the guys on those first couple of laps and get out front. And Brees has to work all the way through. And by the time that he's up there in the second, KP's already uh, gapped him quite a bit. So, um, I think Brees needs to fix his second main event starts and like where he starts at going into that first left-hander or, um, you know, at whatever the track is this week, uh, to try and get a, in a better position to be up closer to the front, uh, crossing the finish line on that first lap. I think that will help him out a lot, but, um, you know, the points are separated by right at about 20. So, uh, Brees obviously had some uh, incidents with a flat tire and crashes and that sort of thing. And KP has just been solid. So um, I think Brees is going to need a little bit of luck on his side, but I think I think he's going to need to win some overalls. And he has not won an overall yet, which I think is probably crazy. Like, I think that that's pretty insane uh, that Brian Brees hasn't had an overall yet. Uh, would you agree, Trey? Yeah, I feel like for that series, you know, it's not as much motocross based when we have the overalls and getting the trophy and stuff. But the biggest thing for Brees is he's been trading wins with KP. You know, he hasn't found a way to put a couple guys in between him and Kyle. And that's hurt him. And of course, you know, the flat tire, the crash, that obviously hurt. But for him, I think it's going to happen. 
as he alluded to when he was on Bubble Max last week, you know, he feels like when he's charging through the pack, the guys are easier when they look back and they see the number one plate compared to the number 200 because, you know, KP is the guy who's been champion the last four years. Right. He has the respect. Those guys race him every week. And Brees, obviously, usually in Supercross, last year he was injured, he couldn't race. But for him to be a sort of new guy when he's racing Peters and Bitterman, Clark, Semino, Taylor, all these guys that have been out there on the arena cross scene for the last year or two, they know how KP's going to race, and they're very respectful of him. And, you know, I'm not saying Brees is a dirty rider, Brees is bad dude, any of that, but they are familiar with KP, and they know how he's going to race, so they're probably more apt to let him go, even though Brees is just as competitive as him. I agree. Uh, Heavy D, anything on the Arena Cross series? Now, all I want to say about it is, like, dude, I'm, like, stoked on how they just let these guys be who they are. Like, interviews, like, it ain't no sugarcoat that, like, like Ty was talking about, Tyler was talking about the, um, about Cody Groves, and he's single and ready to mingle, and you had Crockett Myers before, and talk about all those guys, like, dude, I love how they let them beat him and keep it entertaining. It's like, they're not trying to sugarcoat anything, it's like, it's like raw and uncut, and it's like, come out here, race, have fun, and be who you are. I love it, dude. It's so sick. Yeah, no, the Arena Cross Series is good to have, and I think it's always, I think it's good to have on Friday night to kind of get you ready for uh, Supercross on Saturday night as well. And, you know, me, I came from the Arena Cross background, so watching these races and watching these guys is, is always fun uh, for me. And, um, man, Trey, appreciate you coming on. Uh, to the podcast to talk to us uh, on the professional side. And uh, I know everybody's been appreciating your articles that you've been writing up on the website as well. So make sure to go and check out imperativemx.com. Check out the articles Trey has written so far and will continue to do. And uh, yeah, Trey, have a good night. And thanks a lot for coming on to help us. Yep, I appreciate it once again. And I appreciate all the people tuning in and reading on the website. Not a problem, Trey. Have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Yep, you too. All right, later. And that was our rider over there on imperativemx.com on the professional side, Trey Steyer. He's a 20-year-old from West Virginia University, and, man, he know, he knows the sport, Heavy D. He's good. Oh, yeah, dude. He, he's in it, and I love it, man. You know, he's, like, sold. He's wanting to do some unsung heroes. Like, he wants to help these guys get out there and do some articles on them to show, like, hey, I, I'm – I may not be out here winning, but I'm still out here paying my dues just like everybody else. That's right. And, uh, well, that's it for this episode number 33 here on the Imperative MX podcast where we spoke about local motocross racing here in 2024 with upcoming races and series schedules. Then we spoke with Muckoff FXR Club MX's Garrett Marchbanks about his great start to the two th- or to the 250 Supercross West Division class and much more. Then we had a call in from Maryland native and newest rider on that post grindstone Kawasaki, Max Sanford, about his first three rounds, making main events and some local chat. And finally, we had our Trey Steyer call in to speak about the wet and wild San Diego Supercross drama race this past weekend. And of course, some AMA Arena Cross talk.
Big thanks again to the companies who make this podcast possible. Make sure you guys go and check out each of these awesome companies. Support the ones that support the sport, like West Virginia Motorsports, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Hydropower, Silver Valley MX Park, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Imperative MX Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and all uh, and find the other episodes and more local scene podcasts out on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you find your podcast. Check out ImperativeMX.com when you can and post on the forums. From myself, host Zach Newberry and co-host Heavy D. We're out. See you next week. Peace. Later.